What's up, everybody? Hella Bass with another episode of the Hella Bass Podcast Experience. Today, we sit down with Sam Sobe, bass fishing tournament angler and YouTube content creator, and we get through all kinds of good stuff. Tips on being a co, tips on uh, being a new angler, and a bunch of summertime stuff. So, definitely a long one, but I think there's a bunch of great content. Uh, hang on to the end. You won't be pissed, as Sam would say. Uh, Thanks, and tune in. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. We should be going live. Uh, Let's give a minute or two for people to roll in here. Uh, get things warmed up. We get, get everything tuned up. If anybody's in there, let us know how we sound. How's, how's uh, my audio? How's Sam's audio? Uh, check, check, Mike, check. Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Check, check. Uh, if you're there, type, I'm there. If you're not there, I'm not going to type anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got a few people rolling in. The comments sometimes delay just a few seconds. So, um, this yeah. is better. laptop is better for seeing comments. For sure. Um, so, you're set up outside in the white lightning. Yes. Boom. This is, is this your first stream from the new boat? Yes, this is my first stream from the new boat, I think, which is sick. I'm out here. I got some, I hope, proper lighting. I hope everything's good. I hope my audio's okay. I put some soundboards up. I have that big selfie light pot. I'm just kidding. But it should be good. Boom. Oh, we're, we're competing. Smallmouth experience is going right now, too. I'll get, on. I'll get on that live stream and tell them, come on over here. nice um oh no that's ben i thought it was smallmouth crush oh that's ben no smallmouth experience yeah sorry oh he's too nice i can't do that then (laughs) yeah dick says uh white lightning is sexy that he's a big fan yes who who says this the dick nelson okay okay oh live comments okay so there's live comments, and I got his comment posted there. So, Oh, nice. Thank you so much, Dick. I appreciate as, it. As great as Sam is at YouTube, this stream thing is brand new to him. You can tell. This is a new platform. I'm <laughs> I'm live. Can we just edit this? Oh, what's up, Eric Gaffron? Good to see you. Nice. Yeah. So no real agenda tonight. I do have a couple Instagram questions. Uh, maybe I'll take a look at those quick while we're getting on as a soft startup. Uh, I do remember Brian. We're going to start with the real hard hitting questions. We're not no softballs. Yeah. You want to know what your favorite ice cream flavor is? Um, vanilla, of course. Boom. Wow, that's oof. that's wrong. But okay. <laughs> mint chocolate chip's good too. Yeah, there we go. Nice ice, ice cream. Ice cream is money. I mean, oh cookie dough. cookie dough though. That's good. There's already somebody ice fishing. There. Oh man. <laughs> All right. So there's that. Minnesota Josh wants to know what's Bart's secret bait for Tourney Tuesday. I don't know if you can tell that. Oh. Okay. Well, 
that probably that comment probably references back to last year. Yeah, and I'll give just because he asked. I don't know if he's he's probably not even maybe even on this live stream. I mean, Bart Bart doesn't know, so Bart doesn't know. It's basically just a big worm, just a giant worm, and it's Nico rigged. So he just throws a giant giant trick worm, and he, he Nico rigs it, throws it by weeds, throws it by rocks. It's basically just a hail mary bait. Just throw it out there and pray to God something eats it. And if it does, it's it's usually pretty big. But Bart doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, okay. he's too busy like following around Elite Series pros and doing big things. So he just right. He's gonna miss like ninety percent of the tournament Tuesdays, I'm guessing. So hopefully. All right. Let's uh so Trey Holt wants to know how'd you get in to filming and editing and producing such quality content? Um honestly playing around for the most part. Like when I was when I was like 16, 17, um, me and my good buddy Brock was still chill today. Mullet man, Brock visor gang, Brock. We basically just started playing with GoPros and playing with it on our parents, old computers that loaded the film, like going about this slow. And I guess that just kind of morphed into like playing with different stuff on iMovie. I played with iMovie for a long, long time. And then just honestly like YouTube tutorials. And at the end of the day, I don't think there's like, a bunch of different things in editing softwares that make somebody like good at editing. I feel like it's just kind of getting creative with it when you film it or edit. So I don't know, honestly, just a lot of dicking around to be honest. Yeah. I mean, like I'm definitely learning a lot and it's like, you get the basics down, I think. Right. And you get comfortable yeah. and then you're like, all right, I need, need to spice it up. So you're like, okay. You like, you go and look at the software you use, whether it's DaVinci or final cut or whatever premiere. Right. And you're like, oh. yeah, you find somebody that's got some decent tips and you're like, all right, I'm going to layer that little bit on. Okay. And I'm comfortable with that. Now I'm going to layer this on. Then next thing you know, you're spending seven hours on a 14 minute video. So, right. And then you're just like, why did I do that? It looks, it looks probably <laughs> like, you know, maybe 10% better and you love it, but it's like, dang, did anybody else even notice that? Like, was it worth it? But it's worth it at the end of the day. If you're pumped with the edit you put out, you're pumped with the edit you put out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so uh, so getting into see here, so Jack Retz, why wasn't he wearing the banana shirt in the last tourney video on Saturday? That's a good question. I got that question a lot. I had a lot of people DM me on Instagram like, dude, no banana shirt. Two reasons. Reason number one, tourney Tuesday number one we had to kick off the season. I wore it. We got our butts absolutely kicked. Second reasoning, I went out the day before this tourney Tuesday, which was on Monday, went out fishing, and I got absolutely sunburned. I wore, like, a, just a T-shirt. I absolutely got roasted. And my girlfriend's like, if you go out there tomorrow and you don't put on, like, a sun shirt or put on sunscreen, you're dead. And I was like, well, I hate – I don't know. I hate putting on sunscreen. You just feel oily and greasy. So I put on a sun shirt and stuff. So I don't know. So I'll basically, back. banana shirt's mojo is dead. That's why. It needs to, like, it needs to come back. I want it to come back. But I'm, like, I'm pretty superstitious, too. So, like – if if I win in something like I'm, I'll wear the same camel shorts. I'll wear everything the same, like same hat. Like I'm, I, it's I don't know, it's weird, but I'm superstitious. I didn't know where you were going with that. I thought we were going to see boxers for a second. <laughs> <laughs> are you rich? Are you superstitious about certain hats that you have? Like if that visor, if you start just absolutely sucking with it, or if you win a tournament in something, will you potentially, I don't know, will you follow any, any sort mm -hmm. of nuances? Not so much, no. No, Are you I mean, this, saying that fishing isn't luck then? 
I mean, Sam, I catch them every time. I mean, let's be honest. Let's, let's be real. Like, but uh, no, I, I mean, I, 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 I want to be comfortable, right? Like, that's the big thing. Like, um, I'm all about functionality. Like, um, I definitely don't even worry about like jerseys anymore. I'm just like, I'm getting like this color, a gray. Uh, a light blue. It's going to be a sun hoodie. I'm going to be a visor. I'm going to wear shorts and uh, yeah. the shirt that I usually wear. And like, that's uh, it's all about functionality. It's about comfort, covering up, getting the hood up, blocking out the light so I can see things, whether it's weed clumps or fish. And uh, yeah, I don't care about the rest of that stuff. Have uh, you ever considered growing your hair a little bit longer on top so you've got maybe like a more plush, like Scott Martin type uh, visor? We're getting there. And the quarantine was getting there, but shout out to my 10 year old. I let her take the clippers to my head and I think she did a decent job. So she did do a nice job. Yeah. So I, I, I couldn't handle it. I don't, I don't, I can't, I couldn't do it. No, like it, the Bernie, I can never pull off the Bernie Schultz. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so I, I think, but I think the thing you're missing with the banana shirt is that I think it has to go with the orange life jacket i think i know i need to bring that back too with those they don't one without the other doesn't work i like bit the bullet this year and bought like nice like life jackets i've never owned a nice life jacket my whole life and then when i bought them i'm like i can't believe i'm paying a hundred dollars for life jacket and like they're nice and i love them but like there could be a loss of mojo there that i'm missing so i might bring back gaff says of all the lakes in college what was your favorite and why wasn't it carlisle Oh, 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 Gaffrin. Okay, so um, in college, we traveled down south quite a bit, just fishing a bunch of different tournaments, either be like the Bassmaster College Series, FOW College Series. Um, we learned a lot on a whole bunch of southern lakes because they're totally different, especially being from the north. Um, we got our butts kicked on a lot of lakes and found success on a lot of lakes. Um, some lakes that I really liked, I think, like, I like I like the Ozarks a lot. So I like Lake the Ozarks, I like Table Rock. They're super cool. A great fishing them. It's beautiful scenery. Um, those fish get nutty, especially on a jerk bait like in pre-spawn. So those are maybe some of my favorite lakes. Uh, my least favorite lake we probably ever fished was Carlisle, which is in Illinois. And if any of you guys are out there in Illinois right now, I apologize, but I think Illinois is a fairly crusty state for fishing. There's not very good lakes. They're tough fisheries. Geneva's cool, but Carlisle. I think we got third or fourth in the tournament out of 150 boats and we weighed in three fish. It was that <laughs> bad, like that bad. So or one, fish, yeah. one fish or three fish. I can't remember. It was the first time I ever fished uh, a divisional tournament <clears throat> through the nation. Uh, it went to P- the Illinois river out of Peoria. Oh, how was that there? So it was like uh, 108 guys in the tournament yeah I think there was five limits weighed in a three-day tournament so that's like a 224 fishing days there was five limits and all, all those limits came off a guy that had a jet boat and the partner he had switching days uh, i caught one 13 inch fish in it i beat like 50 guys in three days wow. like i <laughs> I always said it's easy to grow up liking fishing where we live. Yeah. If you love fishing and bass fishing in like Illinois and Ohio, props to you. Yeah. Because you really love fishing because of that. <laughs> truly, truly, truly. When I was living in Chicago, we fished some like 
we fished some Wednesday night tournaments on like um what was the Fox chain and stuff like that. And those guys are straight hammers. Those those are all tough fisheries down there. And those guys just they gotta know how to grease and they gotta know how to scrap really hard. But we're like, if we don't have a good day or if we don't catch them, I'm like, all right, well, I just suck today or I hate fishing today. And it's like those guys love fishing every day because it's tough there every single day. Yeah. Dylan says grats on the, the, the dub on Saturday. We'll probably come back to that. Thank you. Punch fishing wants to know bigger challenge, winning a Bassmaster Classic or getting rich out on the ice. See, I feel like, man, winning a Bassmaster Classic, there would be, oh, man, obviously monetary value. I'd win a bunch of money. I'd win a bunch of fame. But if I got rich out on the ice, I could hold that over him forever. Where Bassmaster Classics, I mean, they might be forgotten for years, but if, if I was known to be the guy that got rich out on the ice and then he slightly enjoyed it, I could definitely hold that up. Now, I'd take rich, getting rich on the ice, 100%. But here's the thing. no, You, you didn't try last year. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's the thing. I am not interested in ice fishing. I would be open to some ice harvesting. Yes, yes. I have no interest in relearning ice fishing, reinvesting in the equipment and all that stuff. <laughs> but if somebody's going to slide into my text messages and say, Hey, everything's set up. Come on out. Come on out. I'll come. <laughs> Perfect. We'll do that. It'll be a guided trip. Half off. I'll charge you half off. Tom says, uh, don't knock his Carlisle. <laughs> I heard back in the day used to be really good. I fished a really tough tournament on Monroe, and that was one of their better lakes. But uh, I made it to the, the Bass Nation Nationals out of there. Um, How does that lake set up? It's actually a pretty cool lake. It's uh, it's it's not a real big reservoir. It's kind of I want to say maybe like twenty thousand acres. So yeah, it's better sized lakes in Indiana, but not in the grand scheme of reservoirs, not super huge. It's got kind of like a main body part that's relatively clean. It's got a, some of the creek arms have a decent amount of grass, um, relatively good water clarity. Uh, some of the arms are slow no wake zone over there. You can go down by the dam. There are a few smallies spots I think, in the lake. Um, oh, and then you go into the bridge, and there's this big river arm that goes way up, and it's all no wake. Oh. So Most of the big fish, a lot of them. You get them in the lake too, but there's a lot of guys that make the big idol, and it can be like a 30, 40 minute idol to get up to where they fish. Um, and so it's kind of like a tail of two lakes, and it's really kind of dynamic. Um, when it's on, it can be really good. When it gets tough, it can be super tough. Like the Tuesday night before we had our tournament, it took like 26 pounds to win on a Wednesday night derby. And then, you know, we had whatever 80 boats out there and there was one limit caught in three days out of 80 guys and i had seven fish and i finished in the top five that's how'd you end up catching them because that's tough that's greasy in practice i was catching them on a jig and a buzz bait in wow. a turn i ended up throwing a weightless stick worm slash senko uh on a spinning rod just like little resident fish in the back of these little pockets where there'd be a little sand and grass and like making super long casts with a, a Senko weightless Texas rig and picking them off. Was there any guys fishing retreads? There wasn't enough fish being caught to fish retreads. <laughs> that would have been my plan. Like I'm going to stick right there. Really super nice and set up for the tournament. I don't yeah. think that's most of the tournaments went out of. So um, I don't think most of us knew where the, those spots were. 
Um, Wade says, if you could only fish one piece of structure for a summer, would you fish weed edges, rock bars, or laydown slash shallow stuff? Oh, man. That's tough. To be honest, I, I would probably definitely stay away from laydowns and shallow stuff. I, I love shallow fishing, but, like, to be honest, my first love is weed edges and, like, rock piles. So I'd probably choose rock. I love dragging on rock, whether it be, like, a big jig or a drop shot, just dragging really slow on rocks, feeling it hit off that rock, and then I don't know why. I, I love that. How about you, yeah, I think I think in Minnesota, like Minnesota, right, this local, I think it's hard to pass up on the grass. Yeah. But you can – you can do a lot of things, right? You can you can fish top waters and swim jigs over the top of it. You can flip it. You can jig worm it. There's a lot of options. So I think I would. And to me, if you can find the green grass, there's always going to be fish. The rock bites seem like it's either on or that's off. true. And like, if I was fishing all summer, like yeah, like I guess yeah, it'd be much more diverse, much more fun to fish weeds all summer. Yeah, I, I know. Look, but honestly, uh, there was a team from Indiana. And not a single person on the Indiana team caught a limit, and those guys were locals. It was just like off. I know it can be really good, but um, 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 yeah. Let's go back to one more of those Instagram questions. Yeah. Um. All right, jigworm fishing from Logan Sell. What size head soft plastics? So yeah, what size plastics head, and where do you like to fish it? Yeah, um, I even have one right here. Boom. Jigworm. Jigworms are straight killers, straight bass killers. And they work everywhere, too. It's basically like almost a glorified, a little bit larger version of a, a Ned rig. Here, let me hold it up here. This is an all-terrain tackle Mighty Head jig. I think this is 3 sixteenths. And it all depends on, like, the wind. So if it's, like, blowing really hard, and it's really deep. I like to throw a little bit heavier head just so I can feel it. But if it's pretty flat, calm, or it's fairly shallow, like I'll throw a lighter head just because it kind of gets caught up in those weeds sometimes, a little bit slower fall. And as far as the bait on the back, I either throw like a seven inch ribbon tail worm or I throw a Cinco, a Cinco or a stick bait. And basically, I just stick to that. How about you, Rich? Yeah, similar. I mean, so yeah, and I would say setup. I like a seven foot medium for jig worm. Uh, I like the medium over a medium light for jigworm because they're typically like snapping it off the grass, right? So like for fishing, what kind of rock? Jigworm to get you can be on the rock too, but a lot of times you're also fishing it like on the milfoil edge, on the coontail edge, and you want to get it hung and then pop it, and then yep. that fall or that flip is where you're going to get bit. Um, so I would say the same thing: eighth ounce most of the time, three sixteenths if it's a little deeper, a little heavier or windy. Rarely will I go to a quarter, but if it's like really blowing but then i might just change up tactics um but yeah similar i got this is a little bass tech head and this one i've doctored up with a little chartreuse a little minnesota yeah. secret there that's something you can definitely try and this i just got a this is a uh something i'm trying this year this is a uh a four and a half inch pocket rocket from reaction innovations so that looks cool dude stick worm kind of a bulb tail on it so it's just something that playing around with it. I threw a little bit, but otherwise, yeah, a yum dinger or something like that. Most of the time is what I'm throwing. I used to throw power worms and stuff a lot, but now it seems like I usually throw that five inch stick worm day in and day out. That's a cool looking bait you had right there. It had a little bit fatter tail on it. I feel like it'd get a little, little bit more interesting fall. Too. Yeah. So it's, 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 
cool. And so, yeah, so you got to kind of got, yeah. It's almost like a beefed up. Yeah. Mid zone type looking thing with a, yeah. So I don't know. Something I want to play around with. I like that. It'd be juicy. Um, So always, Eric says, "Teach me about the wobblehead you love to throw." Oh, you okay, weed edges. This is okay. Let me uh, let me grab one just so. Let's see. Uh, I gotta have one fairly close. Uh, the wobblehead is a killer. I think I've caught like two fish on a wobblehead in my life. No. Okay, well that's fine. Then you can keep it out of your arsenal. Um, Play the elevator music here. Okay. okay. Wobbleheads are so sweet, and for some reason, I feel like, especially this time of year, they can work really well. Um, like I'll go out to like rock piles and stuff. Like right after they spawn. Like they'll slowly work their, work their ways either to weed edges, like beautiful looking weeds or like rock bars. And I'll go out to these rock bars where I know sometimes fish are at and I'll like drag a big jig, like a big football head jig, which is this right here. And I'm like, a lot of times not getting bit. I'm like, that's weird. Like they should be eating a football head jig. And I don't know if it's just like a jig has a little bit bigger profile, but it seems like I could follow it up like a wobble head here, which is basically... It's almost kind of like the same thing as a football head jig. Oh, here's the camera. It has like a football jig type head, except the hook is pretty free in the back. And it seems like I get more bites on this, like right now, opposed to like a jig. And I just love it. I don't know. I love dragging on rocks. I'll throw it on some weed edge sometimes, like that hard bottom. But like, I don't know. I can play around with like different size hooks and throw smaller plastics. So like, I don't know. Maybe if it seems a little less intrusive of a bait or a little smaller profile. Seems like I'll get more bites this time of year. Do you feel? Do you work it any different than the football jig, or are you just drag it the same? In in this like on lakes and in the summer, I'll do it the exact same. But like fishing rivers, if there's currents and stuff, sometimes I'll reel it really yeah. slow. If there's some riprap, throw it out there, like bring it really slow. And you can basically like it's like working like a football jig, like a crankbait. This just kind of knocks off all those rocks. Yeah. So you think so? It's either two things, right? It's either got to be the lack of the bulk of the skirt. Or it's got to be the freedom that you get from the trailer versus a jig, which just kind of yeah, it's more erratic. Yeah, maybe it's a little more erratic. I mean, the bait, the jig, like it's gonna like. Whereas, like, you know, that thing can wave and kind of, I don't know, maybe potentially float up just a touch. It's probably not much, but yeah, uh, I think definitely when you pop it over a rock, it's gonna have a much different erratic action than a jig. Just kind of cut it. Yeah, yeah nice. and the jig will have like that whole skirt. That that'll look totally different than the plastic you're throwing on the back. So, do you throw much wobblehead, Rich? Or like you said, you caught only a couple of fish off them. Yeah, I don't do it a lot. Uh, I've seen my buddy Kevin do really well down the river on it. He does that more like swimming and bagging it type thing. Um, played around a little bit, caught a few fish. Just I don't know. Especially you being a river guy, I'm surprised you don't throw it more. To be honest, I got him. 
I'm sure yeah. there'll be a time. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, Wobblehead, same as the Biffle head, which came first. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, Biffle, the, when Biffle and LaRue made it popular, I don't yeah. know if there was other brands out there ahead of time. Uh, we do know that Rich is stubborn. That is correct, Josh. Uh, Tommy Biffle's won a lot of money off Wobblehead, or Bifflehead. Fishing Today says, Sobe, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Fishing today, I'm doing good. How are you doing? When are you not doing well, Sam? Honestly, well, only when I get sunburned and can't wear the banana shirt is when I'm not doing well. <laughs> or when you get curb stomped on a Tuesday nighter. Yes, that's when I'm not doing well. I'm not in a good mood after that. You know, speaking of like, but here's one thing that I've been playing around with uh, actually this past weekend. And uh, so it's kind of similar to the the biffle head in respect, but I was flipping milfoil this past weekend. Had a pretty good day, so that'll probably be a little, little video action coming Monday. But uh, so, uh, Ooh. DMC makes a ringed EWG hook now. So it's on a similar, right? You're connect, I'm tying to a split ring, or it's a welded ring on an EWG. And I tried it because I was honestly not having great landing success flipping in foil. You know, whether I did uh, a straight shank with a snell knot or a straight shank with, you know, a, a San Diego jam or an EWG, I was just like losing a lot of fish in the grass. And I saw some stuff that Seth Spider said that he's gone to this for flipping and he felt it really worked for him. And so I started trying it. And a couple things, you get a different movement on the fall, right? Kind of like the bib light. You're, you're tied to a ring. So you get yeah. a bait. And, like, I've only done this, like, one day now, but my hookup land was, like, great. Like, even Dude, on bad, that makes so much bad hook sets around pads and foil, I was still getting them. And it was, uh, I don't know. So something to try. Like, if, if you have a setup that works, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. But if you're running into things where you're losing flesh while you're flipping pads or flipping foil or something like that, try this EWG hook. I don't know what the mechanics of it are, that why that ring would help you with your hookup. I definitely understand why it could get you a different action on your bait. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with your hook set mechanics and not necessarily what is right, you know, whether it's a snell knot, whether it's a straight shank, whether it's an EWG. I think it's about finding what matches your hook set mechanics because everybody's a little different, and I think you got to find the setup that works for you. That so. makes sense. Like, But, I mean, the, the hook is like – the hook is free to move around from the tungsten weight, which is like super cool. Like I feel like it's the same thing. It's almost kind of the same concept as like why you would have a, an O ring on, on like a crankbait. You know what I mean? Like that, that way the bait is a little bit detached from the hook and the hook can move freely and the fish can move around it. Like, I don't know. That's super interesting. And I've never tried that, but I'm, I'm going to try that for sure. I don't know if it just allows it to roll and catch in the right spot in the fish's mouth or I'm not sure. So. Cause that's, that's like the biggest, I feel like that's the biggest battle in flipping is like, Oh, which knot do you tie? Do you use flipping hooks? Do you, do you just use wide gap hooks? Like that's always the biggest battle. Like I only use this. I only tie this. I only do that. But like nobody has like a correct one right answer. So that's super interesting. Yeah. Uh, the white yeah, <laughs> secrets. Uh, so what knot am I tying on that? Uh, typically a San Diego jam knot, but I also will do a polymer if I'm in a hurry. Like, but Usually when I'm flipping, whether it's jigs or Texas rigs and heavier line, I'm definitely usually a, a double San Diego jam. So, 
So Eric said he stopped using the yeah. So and for me, like, so I'm kind of excited because like summer is now starting. Like, I yeah. feel like where things open up. Like, we, spring is fun because it's like new and exciting and it's fresh and but the fish kind of do really predictable things and there's only a few ways to catch them. Um, <laughs> my daughter just got back from goalie training. She looks a little sore. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I feel like now it's like, there's so much like there's shallow fish, there's a deep bite, there's a flipping bite, there's a rock bite. There's a, you know, are they on inside turns? Are they on the points? Are they like top waters in the morning? Like everything opens up. So I think this is a really cool time to get out and fish and like explore. So, um, Yeah, so Punch says he always smells his slipping hooks, and like, hey, if it works for you, it works for a ton of people. But I think it's just it's it's all about finding the what works for you. What what do you do when you flip grass, Sam? I I use a Palmer knot. I keep it pretty simple, and I've just had good luck with that. I've tried the Snell. I've tried a few different knots, and like, not that they haven't worked for me. It just seems like I don't know. A Palmer's tried and true, and it works, and I just have confidence in it. And I can tie it quick, and usually, like, when something happens, like we live in the North too, so like. We run into a lot of pike when we're flipping nice grass. So it's like, wham, oh, pike. But that doesn't mean the bass aren't, like, right next to it. So I'll run there, grab something else, tie it up quick, flip it right back in there. Sometimes, boom, bass can be very nice fast. So it's just yeah. quick. So, I mean, I think are you a shank or EWG or what, what style hook are you throwing? Oh, EWG, EWG. I don't like a straight shank. I don't know why. I felt like Brock, on the other hand, who's, like, my fishing partner, who fishes out the back of the boat 100% of the time almost, he throws a straight shank. And – it's not like one of us out smokes each other on a different occasion or not. I just, I feel like I have better hook up on EWG. Yeah. That's I said, find what works for you. That's, that's the biggest takeaway. Like you will talk to certain, like certain guys are like you know, the best flippers in the world. Like Seth Bider will tell you one thing. JT Kenny will tell you one thing. Randall Tharp will tell you a different thing. They're a hundred percent committed. That is the only way to do it, but you got to figure out what works for you. Um, uh, and I feel like that's with any, like, it's not just flipping, like any technique, like when you find, God, when you find a bait or you find a hook or you find something, you just find something that's working right. And you're catching them. It's like, or even a certain jig, you're like, I better not lose this freaking jig. Cause it's working. It's holding the bait, <laughs> right, freaking nailing them. I don't know. Well, we just, we just ran Ami out of there for DMC hooks. <clears throat> you look Ami out of four. Beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, so Bass Fishing said he was, he was, uh, <clears throat> yeah, following the Palomar. So, yeah, it's uh, 100%. Tom mixes. I've been putting a chatterbait blade on the owner pivot heads. So, he's kind of making his own football pivot. So, that's kind of like you're basically doing, I think, the freedom tackle makes a football chatterbait like that. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Especially for like river fishing too, I feel like because you could kind of wobble it on the bottom, maybe rip it up, and you can get that chatterbait rip up, get that vibration, and then still bang it on the bottom. That's super interesting. So uh, yeah, so what's uh, so you got you've had back to back to back derby wins, not to yeah. spoil uh, the, the video. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Uh, what uh, what what's been working for you? Like, what's what's the bite? Like, what 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 are the things that you see? Like, what if people are going out fishing this weekend, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, et cetera, Like, what should they be looking for? Sure. So, um, honestly, the tournament we had last night was on kind of a greasy lake where it's like it's fairly stained, 
and it has a lot of pond weed in it. And that was kind of the battle I faced with like number one, we had just, it's this time of year, you know what I mean? There's a lot of pond weed everywhere. And what Brock, my, Brock and myself, we went out there the day before, even though Brock didn't finish the tournament, and we literally just looked. We put the trolling motor on 10, and we drove around, and we looked for milfoil and coontail kind of hidden within all this pond weed crap because it seems like these bass and the bluegills and the fry, they relate so much to the milfoil and coontail. So we basically just ripped around till we found it. And as soon as we found a patch of it, we'd flip into it. And it really wouldn't matter if it was a jig or a Texas rig. It would it would straight crush. The bait we had most success on kind of yesterday and kind of a little bit when we were practicing around was like little half ounce Texas rig with a, a black craw tube. Nice. Craw tubes are killer up here. I don't know how well they work down south or other places, but up here flipping in the grass, craw tube. I have a question for you, Rich, now. So potentially you might have saw Turning Tuesday number one where we kind of got our butts kicked. We fished a little bit deep. We fished a little bit shallow. It was kind of a, a rough day weather-wise. What would have you done different, or how would have you fished that tournament? Because I know you know that lake. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been out there much since, like, crappie season this year. So I don't know what it looks like right now. But I feel like I would have – I mean, I, I don't know. Was there any foil coming up? Did you practice? Like, did you? We went out a little bit, but it's a lot of pond weed. It's just a lot, lot of pond. If the pond weed is good, you can catch them flipping the pond weed. But it feels like it's already getting to be too late for the good pond weed. So I don't know if it was good pond weed to flip. But otherwise, I guess I probably would have, this time of year, uh, I probably would have really focused on a handful of areas with a jig worm and a drop shot. Yeah, um, weed edges, but um, that's what we kind of did. We kind of swung for the fences, did some drop shot, and did some jig worm. And I mean, that doesn't always pan out, but if you crack them doing that, I feel like you can crack them. I probably would have ran a couple of my favorite docks just to keep them honest. Yeah, and then they were biting. I probably would have like I could have easily also because there is a window here coming off the beds where those females they may not jump all the way out deep, and if the grass isn't sweet for them to get into. You know, they might hang on a, on a series of docks, and you might have to fish a lot of them, but you could get those three, four, five good bites you need. Um, and you're going to catch a limit, pretty sure. And I guess it depends on what the other, you know, how how many of those other guys in that derby you're fishing are, are fishing docks as well. But if you can get a couple good stretches to yourself or if you can fish them better than they can, because uh, these fish probably aren't going to be the dock fish this time of year typically aren't sitting right on the front post ready to smoke the first thing. You typically got to get back in there. They're kind of laying lazy back in a lift or a pontoon. Yeah. So you get something back in there to them. So those have been two things I would have done. Um, if, if you couldn't have find that fresh grass, because last Saturday uh, when I went out, I went to a lake that was kind of, I would say halfway in between, like probably not clear as your first turn Tuesday night, but not as greasy as your second one. And uh, the, 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 the curly leaf pondweed was definitely at the end, and none of that looked any good at all. And they had started spraying in different sections of the lake, the dock, where you see little orange signs everywhere. But if you could get more main lake away from the shorelines or get on the shorelines where they weren't sprayed, you could find that good milfoil in three to six feet. And they were, they were already starting to group up. I mean, you weren't catching like megawads, but you find a little clump and be like three to five, boom, 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 boom. And you That's get, like, so one. sick. One like, just... It's like fresh. They're like just brand new, ready to just chop. And like, it was like, 
it was really a fun bite. So here's one thing too, I was going to ask you, um, I feel like I don't do enough of like right after like kind of early post spawn is I don't like, obviously this is like one of the best ways to fish, most fun ways to fish. I feel like I don't throw a frog as much as I should. And I know you love to frog. Like, what do you like to frog around? What are some of your favorite frogs? And like, I don't know, just teach me your froggy ways because even though it's like such an easy thing to do, you just chuck it out there and walk it back in. There's people who are much better at it than others. Like me, like there's people who are a lot better frogging than me. Yeah. I mean, there's two different things. Like where I really like fell in love with the frog was down on the Mississippi river. And that's kind of a completely different thing, right? You're looking yeah. for, I mean, for me on the river, the first thing I'm looking for is duckweed. Yeah. Like I can find duckweed over good grass with a little bit of current and some clean water. Game and over. You can typically find pods of fish. Like you can find, like they school up on weed lines in our lakes. They school up in those weed mats and like you can, it can be amazing. Like just lights out. Like we will you have one and one will come from this direction and miss it. And then another one will T-bone it from the neck. And it's just like, they're fighting over That is like, it's nothing gets me more jacked up than a school of fish in a, in a duckweed mat fighting over my frogs. Um, but then frogs in, in lakes, I definitely much prefer isolated cover. Um, like, Real shallow weed clumps, skipping them under laydowns, back ends of docks. Um, I feel like I do a lot better in the kind of what you call the greasier lakes doing this. Yeah. Um, you can catch them on the clearer lakes, but it's maybe not as consistent. But like getting down the lakes down towards, you know, St. Peter and that area and like those Mankato lakes and stuff. I've had some fantastic days just skipping a frog so shallow you'd think there wouldn't be a bass there. And like just twice in a four pounder, just like. <laughs> And like you could fish the ends of the docks and barely get a few bites, but then you start skipping your frog up under the walkways in the back where the rocks like, and they're just like, like just, and they're green, brown, dirty lakes and these nasty little weed clumps. And like, then fish just get shallow, dirty, 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 shallow. That's Um, something I used to do a lot more when I was younger. I used to skip docks with frogs all the time. And I never do that anymore. I don't know why, but like, especially in those stained lakes that kills, it crushes. So. Yeah, so I, I really don't like frog and pads that much. I know some guys just like they'll just see pads and just be like, oh. "Yeah, do it." If I really think they're in there, but I just I'd rather fish small pad pad clumps that I could easily like make one or two casts, really work that, and keep going. Um, but uh, I've only caught one frog fish this year. Um, I'm that's sad. Cool. So that's, Have you- that's- have you fished your roadside spot? I'm almost fishing like one or two times, and then it's like, oh, well, you know, like you don't throw a frog. And like, um, so Eric wants to know if you guys noticed a lot of likes of dead grass. Um, yeah, I mean, this time of year, you're going to see a mix of things. You're going to have that early spring growth, you have the late winter growth. And so there's a lot of things like kind of working out. And then if you live around here in the metro, there's a lot of home, homeowner associations, lake owner associations spraying grass. So honestly, it sucks to see that, but to some degree, it can really narrow down a lake. If you're seeing dead grass, um, if you search for it, you're going to find some good grass, and when you find it, it's going to be lights out. Yeah, totally. And it doesn't always, like, I always used to be, like, I feel like I always used to, like, look for the greenest grass and stuff like that, where I found a lot of success yesterday just finding milfoil, and it didn't even look good at all. It looked gross. It looked 
really gross, but they were in it. They're still in it. You could tell that it was new. It could have like be silty and got some moss on it, but it's it's the growing milk oil. Yeah. It doesn't have to be great. It just has to be the best that's available. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, Eric says, so the frog. Somebody want to know about pike tips? I, I don't know. I don't really want to catch pike. Um, yeah. And I think, like, honestly, like, some days you just got to force feed them the frog. And, like, if you really want to make a day of it, like, you got to just make it work. Um, Eric Gaffron said in the comments, pads can be more efficient with a T-rig swim bait. And this is something I think is interesting. Just like fishing any sort of swim bait, like through pads, that's something people do down south all the time. That's a huge Florida thing, but yeah. I feel like we don't do it up north at all. I don't know. I haven't experimented with, with it enough up here, but I, my, I my like, favorite thing is a swim jig through the yeah. pad, which is kind of thing. Well, with a boot tail, like a swim bait on it. That's if mm-hmm. I'm forced to cover water and pads, I'm going to probably cover that water. I mean, in a lake, I'm going to try to swim jig them out of there. And if I feel like there's a good population in there and, and like a tournament, I'll go back and flip them. Um, but that's not going to be the way I'm going to find them. So, yeah. Favorite frog, bigger or smaller? Um, what's your favorite frog? Um, I haven't experimented with a ton of them. And I think that just comes down to like the back where we were talking, like the confidence thing. I throw on like a bro pretty strictly. I don't know why. I just love it. I cut it up a lot. I'm like one side short and the other. It walks a little different, but just the bro black, white, and what's this color called? Leopard, I think. Black, white, sure. and leopard. I basically don't buy any other colors. I don't experiment with it too much. I would like to though. I'd like to know some other good frog options out there. Yeah, so it's rose good. Um, I would say Booyah is probably the best one for the money. Um, yeah. I like the Terminator frog. Yeah. It's a good frog. Um, black is probably the one I throw the most. There was another frog. Do I have any? Yeah, right here. These were my favorite frogs right here. I don't make them anymore. Evolve 9. What is it's that? Color. It's called an Evolve Nervous Walker. What kind of voodoo is that? Kind of like a, it's almost like a live target, but a little bigger, much softer, much better hooks. Uh, they stopped making them, but yeah, I don't know. I've got my frog box is actually under the laptop, so. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I like, and for me, most of the time, I like black. And then if I feel like I'm getting some bites and they're missing it, I'll experiment with a white or a natural or something like that. But like a black or a brown is my go-to. Black um, or brown, you're pretty strict. And it makes uh, sense because like they're just they're really seeing just profile anyways. So Eric agrees. Let's see what's uh Daniel Van Baden Boom. I want to get into big and swimming, but I'm afraid the pike muscle will tear them up. Makes me wonder if I should try a glide bait because of its durability. Well I will say We'll, we'll touch on it here, but actually, you go back and look at a live show we did like two, actually, and then three weeks ago, we talked with the guys from Dream Smasher Swim Baits, and then a couple weeks ago, we talked to Gaffron, and we talked all about Swim Baits. Um, so we'll touch on it a little bit here. Uh, I don't know. I mean, pike do mess with Swim Baits, but it's not as bad as you think. I mean, what do you think? Like, um, and do you know how to drink from a cup? 
No, yeah, no, like something like a <laughs> cobweb fell from. I'm out here and it's buggy and it's greasy and this shed is just full of cobwebs, but something happened. Either way, I, I'm not like I want to be a better swim bait fisherman and I'm not a huge swim bait guy. I don't know enough about them. I don't throw a lot of glide baits, and that's just because I feel like I haven't found confidence in them. I have some. As far as swim baits go for myself, I've I've thrown the Mega Bass Mag Draft a lot, and that's just because I feel like it works and it's not extremely costly if you lose one. It's not like I just lost a hundred dollar swim bait. It's like, you know, twelve ninety nine or or what does it cost? Just under twenty bucks. Twenty five or eight inch. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. What what's your experience with swim baits? Yeah, I I mean, I don't feel like the little pike mess with them much. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the big pike, you're gonna catch more of them than you're gonna lose. Mm-hmm. I I haven't thrown the glide baits enough to say this, but, but I I've heard people that fish a lot of glide baits say for whatever reason pike aren't attracted to glide baits like you think. Not saying they won't hit them, but yeah. like Wise, you don't catch as many pike as you think you would on a glide bait. There's something about it that, uh, but I mean, if I, get, if I go throw a, a fifty dollar glide bait and I lose it to a pike, I have this on recording right here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it can't happen. Uh, it's probably not anymore a half that you dig in and like just cast it off because you got like a bad spot in your line. But um, yeah. I would say if you're throwing soft baits, so just get some mended. And if you get little pike slices in it, like you can repair it. You know, mend it. Uh, swim bait, soft swim bait, best friend. Um, yep, always wearing the visor. It's how you stay cool and comfortable in the summer. So, um, Tom Mix says MCD sexy frog with the rattle. It worked pretty good me last year. Yep, striking frog is good. Or MCD, MCD, sexy frog. Heck yeah. Not sure what MCD is. Um, Liam wants to know, have you had a problem with your all-terrain tackle jig chips a lot? The only time I really get jig chips is is if I'm dragging a jig, like a dragon, I'm beating it on rocks really hard. And if that happens, I honestly just take a permanent marker and I just go right back on top of it. And like, to be honest, I don't think it matters. And and if you think about it, if your rocks are hard, lead is soft. Yeah. So paint is soft. So if you're dragging through rocks, in dock poles and things like that, the paint is going to come off of there much. It doesn't mean it's a bad jig. doesn't mean it was a good paint job. And honestly, the fish don't care. Yeah, they don't care. I don't think they care at all. Autocrack, KVD frog. Yep, KVD frog going to be good. Have you played with the Tokyo rig yet? Craig wants to know. A little bit. To be honest, Brock was throwing it the other day. He was kind of throwing it around some thick foil, and he's throwing it on like a one ounce to get it through some really thick, weird stuff. And um, I haven't played with it enough, but it, like the whole concept – seems obviously extremely interesting and it obviously is gonna, it's going to work like people crush fish on tokyo rig that one tied on and uh I, I caught a few fish on it last year didn't throw it a ton um i caught a couple fish on it this year um i've kind of been going back and forth trying to do things the guy in the back of my boat pat he caught a few nice fish he wasn't really catching them he was throwing like a texas rig like uh super hog zoom super hog and i yeah. finally got missile uh yeah d-bomb on this and then he started hooking a few fish so um, he was fishing behind me he was picking up a couple fish so i definitely think it has merit i know a lot of guys say and i feel like this to some degree is true you don't need as heavy a weight with this as you think you would like you can get by with a fairly light weight and get this through some thick grass so that's cool i need to play because it feels like it's less finessey because there's all this hardware right um 
But I think if, especially if you're on a lake that has a silty bottom, uh, I definitely would give this more a workout. I think if you've got more sand or hard bottom in the grass you're flipping, I don't think it's going to matter. But I think anything you can get that bait up slightly out of that silt, it's going to give those a better, easy target to get down on it. So that makes sense. That totally makes sense. But I definitely can't, and I, and the, I haven't thrown a ton. I think I've hooked almost every bite I've had on it. So small sample size can't say that I really, really worked it. But I've heard good things. The hookup ratio would be good on it, though. You know what I mean? Because so. it's not like it's not like falling in a weird angle or anything like that. It's it's sitting, boom, it's sitting right there. TV Dad's checking in. He said, just got off the water. One is local jackpot with 13 and a half pounds and a 6.4. Nice. Let's go. Good for second Big Bass. What, yeah. was, what was Big Bass then? So that was the three fish. Okay. So we had a six and a half, a five, and then a dink. Wow. Wow. What I want to hear what state you're from. Yeah, that's awesome. Message with state you're from. Congrats. That's a freaking donkey. So Tony is says favorite frog over there, frog is Terminator, and a pop and frog likes the spro. Yeah. I would say I'm not super impressed with the Terminator pop and frog. I haven't used it a ton. Um, fish in the base says spinning or bait caster, what's your preference? Oh um being from Minnesota and then being that I like to fish deep a lot. Maybe I'll choose spinning, but I like bait casting a lot. At the end of the day, like I love to womp on them. Like spinning's sweet, just because you can throw really light finesse stuff. But um, it's there. You can't beat when you really set into them on a bait caster, throwing heavier line. Yeah, I, I mean, I, if I can catch them on a bait caster, that's definitely my preference, one hundred percent. Yeah, I have six or seven spinning rods because I know I need them, and there are times that you need them, and it's. It can be fun, especially when you're fun fishing to catch them on a spinning rod. I don't yeah. necessarily like catching them on a spinning rod in, der- in derbies because it's much more stressful. They're like, no, 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 easy, easy. I hear you. Yeah, so Nick says, can't say I have as many Dovins. I don't know if he's trying to say Dobbins. I'm not sure what you're saying, Nick. But yeah, like they're both important tools. Uh, catch them on a baitcaster when I can, and I'll use the spinning rod when I need to. Uh, where are we at? I had to run from it. You missed everything. You're gonna have to watch the whole replay, Jay. That's all there is to it. Jay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we covered a few things. Uh, I'm excited that the the deep summer bite is finally happening. Yeah. Um, Opens things up. I kind of got an itch to actually, like you said, get out and do a frog bite. Um, so I don't know if that's going to happen soon or not, but that's kind of on my list of like next things to do. Uh, I think I'm actually going fish out with Aaron Degas on Saturday. Oh, let's go. That'll be fun. So we're, I'm not sure where we're going or what we're going to do. Going north, south, local, right around you. We're going to go out west. Oh, kind of like this little combo mix, mix bag action. Okay. Uh, so okay. Nick, can't say that the Dobbins is you, but pushing 20. Got a 704 crankbait the other day. Pretty impressed with a small crank. Uh, or top water, hundred um, percent. The seven hundred four, like almost all summer long, I'm gonna have a DT six head on it. Like that's uh, for my seven hundred four, um, great rod. That's speaking about just like kind of light cranking a DT six. 
that's something I want to get a lot better at this year. I want to, I want to turn to a better crankbait fisherman up north. Like if I go down south and stuff like that, it's second nature, grab it, no problem. I know they're going to eat it. I have confidence in it. But up north, I never like feel like, oh yeah, I might catch them cranking today. Just I don't know. That's something I'd like to work on. What's something you're going to experiment with this year? Yeah, for me, like my big goal is to get some good bites on swim baits and glide baits on film this year. That'd be sick. And- I don't know if it's going to happen, but I keep telling myself that I keep experimenting with that. Um, have you ever them on the, on the mag draft? Uh, I don't have any mag drafts. I'm probably going to order some soon, but I have been throwing uh, like the, uh, the six inch oh, weed uh, dream smasher. And then I guess, yeah, I got like a couple of glide baits that I picked up like the Arashi and the uh, bait sanity and a few others. Um, <clears throat> Pat's coming in. Yeah, he says, we kind of talked about this before. We'll touch on it quick. I like a ringed EWG hook with a San Diego jam knot. And Sam was saying earlier, he likes a polymer with an EWG. So um, that's what works for us. And what we basically said is you got to find what works for you, and then you got to go with it. It's all about mechanics of your hook set. Figure out what hook knot combination matches your hook set. And when you find that, you just stick with it, and then you don't listen to anybody else. Yeah, <laughs> Totally. So Liam says, uh, do you guys ever use St. Croix? They're my favorite by far. I honestly haven't thrown a St. Croix in 15 plus years. They definitely make quality products, just not something that I uh, am dabbling with. Yeah, I don't I don't have any St. Croix right now, but I, I used to run them a lot more for ice fishing back in the day, and obviously they make great rods like up in northern Wisconsin. I did a tour of their factory one time, and it's, it's super cool how many hands actually touch one of their rods before it like goes into production or like goes out to the consumer. They make great rods. Sure. Absolutely. Nick says weed kills an effect on the bite. Yeah, definitely. If, if there is grass, whether it's a natural weed kill or a, a, a you know man-made grass kill, you got to usually avoid it. Like you got to pull outside of it. You got to move away from it. You got to find the best grass or find the rocks. They're typically going to move <clears throat> to clean spots, hard cover, store rocks or shell bed, or they're going to find the remaining grass that is good. Heck yes. Thanks again for suggesting epide- epi- epidemic sound. Yes. Yes. That's a good place to find music. Music is tough to find when you're doing videos. It's like. I had this guy give me a song. He left it on my hard drive and then I used it in a video and then I got a copyright strike. From that. Boom. <laughs> I need to tell you my secret, my other secret websites I have and then you probably wouldn't get a copyright strike. You maybe just have to subscribe to them. Yeah, so next says he's got two 736 fallen rods, 100%. One of you boys come hit O'Dowd next Sunday. Is there a derb? Is, there a, is this a tiny boat derb or is this a regular derb outdoor? It's a derb. I'll go. It might be a tiny boat derb, so you might have to find a 14-foot boat. I'd be game. ATP swim baits. Uh, ABT swim baits are underrated. I've heard good things about them. Don't boat flip with a St. Croix before big tournaments, OMP says. I, I've heard good things, though. St. Croix does stand behind it. I mean, all rods will break at some point, and uh, St. Croix has a good warranty. Dobbin, I feel like, has a very fair warranty. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it's staggered by price, and if you truly feel that it's a defect and you send it in, they will cover it. But if not, then it, I feel like it's very fair. Um, so... Nick says the weed kill is a big problem here in Michigan. We have the same thing in Minnesota. There's a lot of lake associations. 
doing the same thing. Um, avoid the little orange signs. Avoid where they're spraying. They do it on Minnetonka. They do it on these small lakes. It's it is yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be allowed, but it is. It's Basically, far- if you want to hop in this tiny boat. <clears throat> oh, let's go, dude. Tony says, "Hope you are both down for the first annual Battle of the Bassheads, uh, September twentieth, and that the South needs all the help they can get." I'm definitely. It's on the Alexandria chain, I think. So it's going to be on the Hamadou chain. Yeah, yeah. What? So when is that going on? Nine September twentieth. The only thing I am a little nervous that I, I feel like right around that time I have a tournament that I would expect to be fishing in, and the TDF semi is on leech. So. If I can make it around both of those and the kids are going back to school, I'll definitely will try to fish it. So we're both considering the same area, right? We're both southern. Yeah, it's it's kind of a made up. I think it's like a ninety four is the cut. Okay. Uh, Daniel says, "What is your go to square bills?" I like I like Stormer Rashies. They're pretty <laughs> good. I I feel like. In a lot of different situations, I'll throw more like a, a DT6 before I'll throw a square bill. But square bills crush, especially on lakes down south where there's a ton of rocks. We have so much grass here that it seems like I don't throw a square bill too much in the summer. But um, they obviously, they crush. Dirty water, yeah. chartreuse, clean water, a little bit more natural, more a white iridescent white blue. I've, been mostly throw, I've, I've mostly throw square bills on the river. And uh, one of the best ones that I've done with is the Ema square bill. It's a little pricey, but it's a good little bait. It doesn't go super deep, but uh, that one that Bill Lowen signature Ema square bill has been really good. Uh, Nick says, is anybody ready for a day without four mile hour winds? Yes. Like- <laughs> yes. Yes. Nick. Yes. Yes. I feel like for the past two weeks, it's just been freaking hawking wind. And not only is that like, it kind of stinks to fishing sometimes, but like, as far as GoPro or audios or cameras, it's just all day long. So, Nick, yes. 100%. Yeah. Saturday wasn't too bad. but And then, like, I think that last Tuesday wasn't bad, but it was raining. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, it was. Day it doesn't win and it just pours. And it's just like, uh, it's crazy. Mission Day says Wisconsin's been on fire. It usually is. Uh, how do you tell what type of grass, fish? are going to be hiding in and what's the quickest way to determine how deep the fish are holding? That's a good question trade. Um, see. So I think you typically want to look for the best quality grass. Um, and I typically, at least in Minnesota, I don't know where he's from. Uh, but like early in the year, you're going to have cabbage is going to be good. And then as the summer goes, the milfoil slash coontail gets better as a general rule. Um, and it kind of depends on the lake, but uh, fish the best, cleanest, crispest live grass you can find. And what depth that's at and where it grows really well is typically where you're going to find the fish. Either where the really thick clumps are, and sometimes that can be in three to five feet of water earlier in the year, or depending if the lake's not super clean, um, or where that comes out and clumps out in deeper water, six, eight, 10, 12 feet, or where it breaks off on the edge. Um, and it can be all those things. And they can use all of those zones, honestly. Um, it's really find the quality grass and fish it, and then you're going to have different approaches and tactics based on what those those sections are. And so um, Totally. And when you're flipping around, too, like if, if it's like a big lake where it's extremely expansive and there's a bunch of really great-looking grass, like those are some of the toughest lakes, I feel like, is those lakes where I go out to, even like a Minnetonka, where like there's miles and miles and miles and miles of great-looking grass, and it's like, where do I start? What do I do? It's like, honestly, play around, 
feel it out. And when you're flipping too, you can kind of determine, all right, the ground feels a little harder here. Maybe you look on your electronics, you're next to hard bottom. It seems like if you can isolate something that's a little bit different about that grass, whether it be better looking or it has hard bottom underneath it, that can result in some major success. Yeah, 100%. So like scanning out in front of it, if you find muck, 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 and all of a sudden there's sand touching this grass, a little bit of gravel or rock, that's a great place to start. And then if you can find where multiple grasses meet, where coontail meets milfoil, where cabbage meets coontail, where where pads meet milfoil, like anytime, like two things good together, it gets really great, right? So those are some of the keys. And sometimes it's just a lot of trial. Sometimes it's stuff you can't see. Sometimes it's stuff that you could could have found in the spring if you graft around, but once the grass is up, you can't see it. It could be a couple logs laying in the grass bed. It could just be a little pile of rocks. It could be bluegill beds that are all covered up by the milfoil. Like yep. just things. Bluegill beds are good things to look for on your graft too. Like you can see those. It look like little honeycomb spots on your graft. So uh, especially and- right now too, after the post spawn, like just early post spawn bluegill beds are a big deal. And just look for activity, like. Uh, in our natural lakes, you're going to see little minnows. You're going to see fry. You're going to see bluegills. You're going to see uh, if you're flipping a worm or a jigworm and you're getting taps, slow down and fish that area. If you're if you're going through an area, you don't feel anything. You're not getting any vibe. You're not feeling any taps. You're getting yeah. nothing. Keep moving. So those are all kind of tips. But sometimes you just got to hunt. But those are some of the clues that will, can uh, potentially save you some time. Uh, Outdoor says he's going to slide into your Insta DMs. Uh, yeah, talked about that. Uh, two two types of grass meeting. Hundred percent spring grass should be illegal. Uh, fishing day. What is your number one tip on YouTube fishing? I'm not sure what that means. I know. Um, them on YouTube or like producing content for YouTube. Um, maybe if you if you're fishing today, maybe clarify your question a little bit more. But if you're just Maybe considering, like, maybe you're just talking about making YouTube fishing videos. What's your number one tip? Is I would, dude, just just record it all. Just keep recording, 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 recording. And I'll, I'll even sometimes get down on myself. Like, if the fishing day is not doing good, or if it's super windy, like it's been, like, I'll be like, ah, oh, I'll throw the cameras down or something like that. And then something amazing will happen, or maybe it clears out, and I'll just still be fishing. And like, I ended up not recording, and I was kind of kicking myself in the butt. Yeah, I would say the number one thing I would say, do it because you enjoy the process of making a video and fishing and telling the story. If your motives are to become famous, to get rich, to... Don't do it for that. (laughs) Don't do it for that. If if, if you love it, that will probably someday come. But if that's your motivation, you're going to burn out before it's going to happen. Yeah, and make videos that like you would like to want to watch like, like right. that you, that you like. So like, don't, don't try to copy this person or don't try to be maybe super epic or technical or try to like, don't, don't people get down on themselves all the time where they feel like my editing or the video I'm taking doesn't seem to be the quality I want it to be where it's like, dude, just, just film it, put it out and put out something that you like and other people enjoy it. And if they don't dude, screw them. Like as long yeah. as you like it, that's what matters. You got to enjoy the climb though. Yeah. <laughs> Totally, yeah. You got to enjoy the, the, the laborious, like, climb and grind. Like, uh, um, so, Chad says, scan early in the year. Yep, definitely a good tip. So, like, if, if you really want to get better on certain lakes, like, if, if, if you fish close to home and you got a, a league night or you fish these same lakes by your home, go out right after ice out 
and start putting time with electronics mm -hmm. and mark areas and then go back and fish them later in the year. Yep. Chad, what's up, Chad? Chad's super good dude. What's up, Pete? Pete's super oh, good Pete dude. in the house. Pete's in the house. Pete's in the house. Yeah, so he's been talking about making content right on. Uh, yeah, so Outdoor said his biggest thing is he wants to have something to show his his children and his grandkids uh, more than just photos, and that's cool for sure. Dude, you 100%. Like, my grandpa loved fishing, and he loved, like, gill fishing and more pan fishing and stuff like that, more like to feed the family harvest and stuff. But I think I've seen, like, two pictures of my grandpa, like, ever. One holding the pike with a spear, and the other's, like, holding a couple big pale bluegill. But, like, if I had stuff where I could go back and watch my grandpa fish, like – I would lose it. So just if that's your only motivation just to get out there, record it and potentially put it on a free platform like YouTube, like dude, do it. Like your grandkids yeah. would definitely thank you down the line. I mean, like, I think it is kind of big picture. Cool. Like to think like, God forbid something happened to me tomorrow. Right. And like, I never met my kids or grandkids or whatever. Right. Yeah. But like they could go and watch and be like, I think they'd actually get to say like, I kind of know what he was like. Like I, oh like, yeah, oh yeah, would be really cool for sure. Uh, Josh has found some rocks on lakes I fish that are normally hidden by weeds. Was nice marking those early in spring. Hundred percent, yeah. Like bingo, yeah. You got the means to do that. Um, and even if you don't have grass, get out and just go look. Start go look around and idling as deep as you can see, and just start looking, and you'd be surprised what's out there. And looking on Google Maps, too, sometimes, like, you get caught up right when you go out of the access, what you can see, or you run down the lake, what you can see. Sometimes just opening up Google Maps and really just looking at the lake, you, you can see on those images, all right, this looks like that's a steep edge or a harder bottom. or Oh, I didn't even think there was a point there that came out. Like, it tells you a lot just kind of on those images. Yeah, and if you if you download the Google Earth onto your, like, desktop, yeah, um, there is a feature in there, I think, where you can, like – like adjust the timeline of the satellite image. You can see, like, you can catch it in the spring. You can catch it low water. You can catch it high water. And you might be able to see things. Um, so, not that we get a lot of fluctuating water where we are, but if you can see it early in the spring when it's clean versus late in the year, you can see where a lot of like the best weeds are and things like that. I'm sure. Rich has a white boat, so I just like go to some lakes I know he fishes and just change the year, and I can usually see where he's fishing. You can usually see the, the red talons. Uh, <laughs> they show up pretty good on, on, on Google Earth. So, um, it says, Sobs, do you have the new Mega 360? I do not, but what I've heard about it is pretty insane. Like, 360 in general, I've fished with it a few different times. I don't have it myself, but the Mega 360 I heard is pretty night and day over the old 360. Do you have it, Rick? I don't. I, I thought about it, but then I've had I got to get my motor fixed, so that kind of killed my electronics budget for the yeah. year. What's up with your motor? Uh, it needs a rebuild. It's Ooh. got uh, a couple of the, the cages that hold the bearings on the rods kind of let go, so there's some some bearings rattling around there, which takes out the rods, the bearings, and the crankshaft. So um, it'd be pricey. I'm gonna get it done here pretty soon. I thought I could find like a different used one or find a different way out of it, but it just doesn't seem like short term. There's anything out there that I got. So I'm going to, uh, if you're sorry for me, hit the like button and, uh, <laughs> the like button on that. He's rebuilding. Like We're almost at 50 live viewers, which is, uh, 
kind of a new PP for me. So let's. Uh, I am drinking a Mountain Dew, Frankie. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna be getting that done soon. Yeah, he was just curious if the sexy Vexy got outfitted with the Mega. So no, no, I, no. I've I've Mega side imaging, but not 360. 360 would be pretty pretty wicked. So you think maybe maybe 21? Maybe 21, 21. I'd like to. I, I was thinking about this year. I'd like to bite the bullet and get it. And Depends how many Tuesday nighters you can run off in a row. Right. <laughs> I feel you, Nick. It sucks to have motor mm. problems. Uh, so Craig says, tips for finding the biggest fish in the lake, still searching for that Minnesota 6-plus. I will say this. Um, a six-pounder Minnesota dude is – it's an anomaly. It's a really old fish, and it's tough to get, like – I I pray I get a six pounder once a year in Minnesota. To be honest, like it's those fish are huge. The difference between a five pounder and a six pounder is is light years. That's good. Like so, like last year you made you guys, like if you guys came here to see me and you haven't checked out Sam's channel, uh, last year he did a really great series called The One, right? And you were looking for a seven pound largey and a seven pound smallie. Yep, and you had. Mainly you and Adam went hard, and you had a couple other buddies kind of chip in. Yeah. Uh, but how many times did you guys go out, you think? Probably a dozen times at the end of the year? Maybe yeah, at least a dozen times, maybe more. Maybe more searching different lakes that we just, even if they're, we made a lot of different day trips where we'd bounce different lakes just to get a lay of them. And it's like, dude, we're going for a seven, but the goal really almost should have been a six. And it, like, it's super tough. Adam got a six, right? Yep, Adam got a six fifty six, I think. And you got? Did you get one? I don't remember. Um, yes, there. I got six. Like I think a six oh four. It was, but not not anything over six and a half or really close to seven, which is tough. They're out there though. They're out there. Yeah. Like, and I, I mean, to me, if if they would get rid of our season, I think popping a six would be a lot easier in the pre spawn. Yes. For me, I think every all but one of the six pounders I've ever caught in my life in Minnesota were after October first. I believe that between October first and November fifteenth, they just need to be fat. Like you need to catch that five pounder that was like a little over five, and he's six in the fall or the spring. Like that's the only way it's going to go down. But I think honestly. Um, in general, you can still catch them in the summer every now and then. I would oh, yeah. say either shallow, isolated cover or fishing deep edge transitions. Yeah. Or offshore edge transitions. You can catch a lot of nice fish on flats and like flipping grass, but I don't think that's the best way to catch the really big ones. It's a great way to catch three and a half to four and a half pounders. Not saying you can't do it, but like to me, getting off on that isolated stuff, those real isolated clumps, those deep tips, those rock piles. Um, I think that's the key in the summer. Or lone big trees, scummy pontoon way in the back of middle of nowhere that nobody bothers. Like They typically want an apex spot that they can set up on yep. and, and, uh, and kind of own that area. So th- those are kind of my high level. But honestly, I've caught so few giant fish in the summer to me <clears throat> it's all about the fall and that uh, we gotta roll through these favorite fish and snack 
Uh, hold on. I'll grab. I'll grab one of my. For me, I get. I like to carry beef sticks, like uh, yeah, or almonds or stuff like that in the boat or granola bars. That's kind of what I. Most oh. of my. Stuff. It's locked. It's locked. But we're gonna get it. Uh oh. Well, I locked my snack drawer. That's how. Well, when you, when, you fish with, when you fish with Brock, you have to keep the snack. <laughs> Dude, these are men. So I love like I love like beef jerky, obviously. Like um my dad loves monkeying with meat, so he makes like a bunch of different venison jerky and stuff like that. That's one of my favorites. But dude, it, like at Costco in bulk, I buy this Nature Valley. Those are good. Salty peanut or the almond ones. I like the protein ones with the chocolate on the back. No, these aren't like the protein ones. Like no, not- but they, they make a they make a version that's just like that, but it's got like chocolate on the back, and they call it protein, but it's not really a protein. It's just a granola bar. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Those are legit. Like, okay, that's go to. Uh, all you really need is Diet Mountain Dew. That's all. So. Right. Diet Mountain Dew, some beef sticks, and some granola bars, and that's that's life. So, Frankie wants to know, what new lure are you guys excited to try? For me, it's mostly swim baits, but I did figure up a couple new uh, worms for jig, jig worms. Like, But you got anything you're excited? Hold on. What, where's, where's the comment? Just what are you excited to try this year, new lures? Oh. Um, you showed a little bit earlier, but the Tokyo rig, I'd really like to try out a lot more. That whole rig and just play around with that. Uh, and I'd also like to try a bunch of different plastics. I feel like I find myself in a rut with just flipping D-bombs or Rage Tails, and that's like it. So I, I, there's a lot more out there. I used to flip a lot of Sweet Beavers and stuff like that. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll find something that I like, and I just use it over and over and over without like ever really experimenting as much as I feel like I should. I've had D-bombs forever, but I'm starting to groove on them this year. I feel like that's going to be – it's going to be the year of the D-bomb for me. <laughs> have you ever – you ever thrown D-bomb Superbug? Yeah. It's like my favorite color. Yeah. Like, I was throwing that, and then I kind of was going through them. But, like, yeah. Just... Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, for me, it's this and Tramp Stamp beavers which is the same thing right yeah color combo um top three post bond baits uh probably a <laughs> when it's funky a jig worm a drop shot and uh a nico rig <laughs> agreed and if you're more shallow i would say a weightless stick bait or a frog yeah. and and a jig a swim jig too yeah. i would say that so <clears throat> oh man we're we're falling behind this is so Nick says, come to St. Clair for a six-pound dozer. Uh, yeah. The decoy snaps. Um, yeah, I think I got the one-and-a-halves for, like, crankbaits. And then I yeah, I'm, I haven't got out enough. But, yeah, the three, four, and fives, I'm not sure which size to use. Depends on the size of the bait. Uh, repower the cat with a Yami four-stroke? I don't think so. I'm not putting a, uh, a new motor on a 2005 hull. Um with all that YouTube money, it's right. I've been monetized for like 35 days, so I'm pretty much ready just to retire. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, Pat's seen an eight caught in a tournament. I'm guessing that was down in uh, Faribault last spring. I'm thinking of what he's thinking about. 
if he's, uh, if he's from Minnesota, that's definitely where it was, which is crazy. They live down there. Beef sticks, beef sticks. Uh, the truth says, what's up? Degas turned on a talk on a derby t- a couple years back. I think that was the late tournament, too, though, wasn't it? Which one? Uh, he said Aaron Degas stuck a seven on Taka and Denny's a couple of years back. Yep. But it was one of the later ones, um, like September. Cliff bars are good. True. Mm-hmm. Spicy Love the spicy beaver. I do have the double wides. They just something about them. I have not been able to, to get behind those. Yeah, tramp stamp is is legit. Yeah, that's super good. Super good. It's just like super bug. I think I got some here in the kinky beaver. The kinky beaver tramp stamp. Those crush. So I'm not a huge fan of the kinky, but I do like the spicy. That's probably I did hell of fish on that. But yeah, the, the action innovations, they work so green good. Green on one side, black blue on the other. <laughs> most of my jigs, most of my Texas rigs. That's what I throw, that color combo. Ballin says, come out to Clear Lake and get a double digit on a HUD. Slide into my DMs, let's make it happen. <laughs> oh, on a HUD? That'd be sick. Yeah, he said, uh, Jay said he sucks up on that lake, talking about the eight-pounder. Uh, Punch Sister says, Pete, when's Omnia getting the kinky? Beaver. I'm Pete, not still here. Yeah, I don't know if he is. He, he's kind of big time. He's got. He's, he's probably coming in, learning things because they're doing a big stream tomorrow night. I he's, saw that. What What do they got? Like Mark Zona oh, and Seth Fighter and, and Linder. Uh, yeah, and Al Linder. Like what? Nice. Thanks for invite, boys. <laughs> yeah. What, what's? Come on. I would have Al Linder sign my forehead right here. That'd be sick. There is a correct answer. I'm not sure what we're talking about. But, yeah. So well, let's, Pete's still here. What's up, Pete? Oh, Pete. You guys should do a YouTube fan tournament. What do you mean by that, Joe? Like, are you talking about, like, an online tournament? Or are you talking about, like, taking fans out and having a head-to-head? Uh, I don't know. Tell me what you're thinking, Joe. But that would be cool. Pete just woke up. He's... Probably slept on a whiskey. <clears throat> yeah, Patrick Walters is there. Isn't all the behind in manufacturing? I do think a lot, not all. Um, definitely the stuff that's made overseas is definitely lagging. Um, I think some of the stuff that's made domestically, not so bad. Uh, Al Leander needs a pod. I don't, we don't need any more fishing podcasts. I mean, even I have a fishing podcast. I think if Al Leander had a podcast, I'd be pretty game on with it. I don't know. Uh, putting the jig away, Rich. You never put the jig away. You always, <laughs> That's you right. Not, you all jig away sometimes. There is not a derb <laughs> outside of a smallie only tournament that there won't be a jig sitting by my feet all day. Whether I throw it at all, it will be ride or die. The rite of passage is part of his religion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like last year at the state tournament, uh, the first day of the tournament, I caught a couple key fish and my kicker fish on a jig. Um, but I could tell how tough it was the second day, and I put it away, and I threw the four-inch 
wacky all day to get the three bites that I got. <clears throat> that on Vermilion? Uh, Island Lake. Island Lake, yeah. No, not on Vermilion. Vermilion's kid. It's a promo tournament that either one of you host. I don't know. I've kind of cool. an online tournament thing, like hosting one, but um, what's your guys' most durable flip punch bait? Hmm. I'd honestly probably say D-Bomb, dude. Maybe D-Bomb. Yeah, I, I, I didn't a lot of D-Bomb the other day. Um, <clears throat> the reaction innovation one you have, I think it's super good, but I think that's maybe one of the least durable. I feel yeah, like I've seen people get bit, but they tear up pretty easy. <clears throat> I I think, yeah, I, I I can't say that I have one that's like super durable. I would think the Z would, is a Z man make like a craw or a beaver. I bet you those got to be pretty durable. Uh, yeah, honestly, craw tubes those are pretty durable. Yeah, Top kind of right right. Awesome to meet you guys in person. Well, yeah, hundred percent. You just got to show up at the ice show, and Sam will be there, so that'll be awesome. <clears throat> so we needs Al signature tattooed on. Perfect. Yes, I will. <laughs> would Steph be okay with that? That's the question. Oh, th that would be no question. That'd be a deal breaker if she wasn't. So, <laughs> it would be, you think it that'd would be a turn on? Like, slip cork in well ice in 10 to 12 feet of water. <laughs> Al Linder would just be a signature on my butt. Honestly, I think if you could grow a beard like Al, I think Steph would be even more into you. So. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Arsenal assault bug. I haven't tried those, but those look pretty good. Those are good. Those are super good, and they're super stinky. They got like a wicked garlic scent to them and stuff like that. Like if you do yeah. have a girlfriend or any significant other, don't be playing with those baits before you hang out with them. They are just – you'll smell yeah, a little I've, I've played with the crickets. Those have been pretty durable. I think some of the gamble baits are – I mean, there's those baits that are designed for down south. I just probably haven't fished enough of them to the – Eric said he threw the same one for four weeks last year. I feel like he didn't get enough bites if that was the case. Um, pit Boss, that's pretty good. That's a good one. Yeah. I used to throw Pit Boss a lot back in the day. I don't know why I don't play with them as much now. Nico Riga is doing work. Daiwa Nico Fat Worm, that's a great worm. And then you get those Arsenal tubes for that uh, those Fat Worms, and you're going to save yourself some money on those because those Nico Fat Worms are not cheap. But you yeah. get these little rubber bands and the little Arsenal tool, slip those on there. You save yourself a ton of money. Like a lot. Like a, a lot. It could be just like Bart. Where's my Nico Rig? I thought I had one tied up. Maybe I didn't take it out. Yeah, but the Z-Man Palmetto, yeah, I think that would be pretty good. <clears throat> a couple months before the Kinky Beaver, hopefully right after Bass Tech Jigs. Pete, if you're still in the comments, I want to know what uh, is your last name? Presporia. Are you Italian? Uh, Polish, I think. Polish. Sobieski. Presporia. I don't think you can actually pronounce it. It doesn't make any sense. So It could potentially be made up. Is that even his real last name? I don't think so. I think he just, he just yeah. yeah. 100% surgical tubing. You didn't catch a lot of fish, Eric. Don't lie. One hot shot from the West Coast guys on tour is a swamp crawler, Nico Ray. Yeah, I can see that. <clears throat> That's kind of basically what uh, what Bart's doing, something like a small crawler, right? Yeah. Same style bait. He does go by Polish Pete. So. It is Polish Pete. It is Polish. I'm Polish too, dude. Sobieski. 
Eric Gaffer and Eric caught a fish in my life. Dude, we got to get out, man. I can help you with that. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely put an O-ring. I think I've also been playing around. And I'm going to do a video. Those tubes, you can – they're more than just Nico and Wacky tubes. You can use them as ways to hold jigs. You can use them to secure and save baits. So I'm going to do that soon. Uh, those tubes – have you ever thrown those tubes or put those tubes on um, small swim small. baits? Yeah. Uh, I haven't. But I've done a similar thing with a flipping jig where I like thread it on and then right on the yeah yeah like like little Kitex and stuff I put them on there and secure it down like some if yeah. I forget super glue or something like that like that saves some serious money in Kitex because those suckers are steep. Are you guys gonna have any tournaments on Tonka? I don't know. Are you fishing the blackfish this year? I think I will be fishing the blackfish. I think I should be around for that if we're not up in New York, but. Yeah, the blackfish. I, I, gotta fix, I gotta fix my motor, but I am thinking about there is. I think. Are you fishing the blackfish? Uh, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> you just stay away from Tonka or what? Like I'm not a Tonka. I don't time out there. Like I don't know. People Dude, are like that's no excuse. Like I, I have no time out there either. But I'll throw my hat in the ring. So yeah. No, it's just a worm. Bart's secret is just the Nico rig. <laughs> <laughs> Or is it? Grande tail. Rich hates Tonga. I, I, I mean, I don't like if I'm fishing a circuit and it goes to Tonga, I'll fish it. But I'm not trying to jackpot against the people that spend all the time out there. So, yeah, it's tough. Those guys just like they never like they're just Tonga rats, just kind of like the river rats or river rats. These guys are Tonga rats. Yeah, I mean, maybe I will. I just, I guess, got to find a partner that's interested that wants to get after it, but. Um, but just, I just don't, honestly, I don't fish as many derbs as I'd like to. <clears throat> I think in a couple of years, I'll be getting mad at them again when my kids get a little older. And, um, <clears throat> I've had some good events on Tonka. I've done well when I haven't disqualified myself for tweeting and Facebooking. So, um, you got DQ'd for that back in the day? Yeah. State tournament. I would have finished second, but I ended up getting disqualified and finished last. <clears throat> for what? For updating status going through the like slow weight like that was before like now they encourage it like they want you to yeah. like be on social but back in the day i got because i got they basically said it was a non-emergency use of a cell phone and i got disqualified oh my gosh love and hate tonka Sobi, are you fishing anything other than the midweek derbs uh, i'm thinking about throwing my hat in the ring for a couple bigger ones like i'd like to maybe i might play around with some of those team trail ones, Minnesota team trail ones, or maybe I'll venture over into Wisconsin a little bit or play around something like that. And then I'm also doing the, the Bassmaster Eastern opens as a co-angler. So I'll be playing with that in the fall, but I'd like to throw my, my hat in a little bit bigger ring for like a team tournament. I definitely have the edge to fish a dirt real bad. So I need to make that happen soon. Danny's partner. Let's go. Sounds like Simon. He's, uh, he's harvesting, getting some gills tonight. Let's go, big bluegills. Sovereign Denny's partner. It's kind of late to be getting in the Denny's already have their first tournament. I think so. I don't so. think that big of weights won it either. But here's the thing for me, Denny's is in a week, and that's just – my PTO time at work is so slim. So I like to save my stuff for the, the tournaments that I really want to focus on. That's, so the Denny's is really tough for me, so – not the guy who turned you in, Rich. He's an ass. Yeah, probably. 
Uh, who are you going to New York with, Sobe? Uh, I'm going to New York with uh, Joel Willard and Greg's Mansfield. I'm kind of like I'm kind of traveling with them, working with them, um, shooting some cool videos for them, and then for myself. And they're fishing on the pro side, so like right now, uh, they're doing all the opens. So they have a tournament tomorrow, I think, down in Arkansas. Yeah. Day one starts from tomorrow. I think it'd be pretty tough for them, but then kind of with all the tournaments being pushed back, we've got a majority of the Eastern opens um, later in the fall, later in the summer, fall. So is Joel as pretty in person as he is on camera? Yeah, absolutely. Like he's got some (laughs) looking skin and he's just, he's beautiful. He's a lady killer. It's just, and he's good at cribbage, good at fishing. He's, he's a winner and it hurts. Rich, you could drop in on the Greenhorn Opticast on Sundays. Maybe. You can see about that. I got to get this motor fixed before I get any derbies, though. I don't want to. Last thing I want to do is go out and bust a big sack and then throw a rod through the side of my motor and then uh, get away in. <clears throat> Have you fished Pokemon Lake in Grand Rapids? Yes. One of my favorite lakes in the state. Um, great, great lake. Uh, it's got everything. Have you fished it, Sam? I have, but like, I don't have a bunch of time out there. So I'd rather have you talk about this one more. Yeah. So the thing I like about it is it's kind of like, would like if I could pick a lake to live on, that really? type would be like, because you've got smallies, you've got largies, you've got multi-species if you want to do some harvesting. Uh, but like the, the main lake is relatively clean. It's got deep grass. It's got deep rocks. It's got slop. You can catch largies, smallies, mixed bag, and then you can go up into Little Jay Ghoul in the river and get greasy for largies. Like, so it's got everything. And you can fish smallies over 50 feet suspended. You can fish them on shallow boulders. You can flip grass. You can, like, it's got everything. Like, I just. And I feel like there's a Zorbas on that lake, too. So it's fun. It so, you know. <laughs> um, is it Oneida? I think that is one of the Eastern Opens. Yep. Ever fish in Mankato area? 100%. I like those lakes down there. Like, give me a jig, a buzzbait, and a frog, and let's let's go to work. Like, I'm just going to roll my sleeves, turn the depth binders off, and just get after it. <laughs> those lakes are sweet, and they got straight biggins. And those fish are, like, they're beautiful looking. They're dark. They just they look like they've been living in shallow water their whole entire lives. And yeah, There is um, some offshore stuff if you're putting in the time. But, like, I, a lot of times I'm just showing up and rolling up and just – fishing them but so I mean there is some it's not like deep but there is some offshore stuff uh, yeah I'll partner with Rich on the Opticast let's go I don't even know what the Opticast is am I allowed in that Rich is overqualified for the Greenhorn that's what I thought Rich got fifth out there that was at the state tournament So it's like, yeah, Bass Fisherman's Heaven. Greenhorn has an advanced series, too. That's probably above my level, so I just I can't find the right level. Um, sounds like Boji. I'm talking Keg. Good show tonight. Pete says his hometown is Syracuse. Syracuse so oh, wow. He can probably uh, tell you the best watering holes in Syracuse. Perfect. Eric's had two drinks, but now he's out of the water. And they eat a around Pokegama, typically, so that's another plus for Pokegama. <laughs> Offshore stuff, stay in the skinny stuff. I know. 
you like to fish out deep, Pat. Podcast uh, <laughs> has one this Sunday as well. Yeah, the only problem is my my seventeenth anniversary um, is this weekend, so that's why I'm looking for a Saturday derb, not a Sunday derb. Congratulations, though, dude! Congratulations to you and the wife. Hard hitting question, Sobe, are you ever gonna fish with Alex Perrick again? Potentially, yeah. We've been texting some stuff and and potentially lining up some trips and me, Alex, and Mav. So we might work something out. It kind of got pushed back, I think, because of COVID and stuff like that. But sure. yeah, we might fish again. Or maybe not. Maybe COVID just I haven't watched a ton of his stuff, but I watched a couple of his videos around the new year. And uh, it seems like he's got a lot of things going on up there. Like he's... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> One thing, though, that Alex does love is I feel like, which I wish he did more of, is is he used to fish a lot more tournaments when he was younger. And I feel uh-huh. like that... He's like a competitor. So we fished the Jude together, me and Alex, and we had a great time. And I feel like that's when I saw him fish his hardest when we were fishing the Jude. And like, that's when, that's when anybody fishes their hardest when something's on the line or you're competing. What is your favorite way to catch them offshore? Talking to me or you? Both. You want to go first? You go first. I'm going to plug my laptop. Favorite offshore? Probably just on a jig. Like if I just get him casting a jig, that'd be my favorite way to catch him offshore. Oh. Not the best way to catch him, but that's my favorite way to catch him on a jig. I know when you are when you're dragging a jig and you just feel like that dunk, or all of a sudden your line is just like, wait, where is it? Where is it? And you nail him. Dragging a jig is pretty fun. I kind of like throwing a drop shot too, though. I got yeah. that Nico rig, you just and then you just hold on for your life. I like casting like a jig or like a tube, and like when the school's really fired up, and you're like throw it out there and it's falling, and you feel the thump, like they're just. Yeah. It's like when they're eating it on the falls, that's probably like on Winnebago in a draw tournament, and like throw your small your tube out, and like you like through the slack line, want to pop it, and you like. And you'd get it, or like you'd pull it away from them, and then you'd feel the tube go up, and another one go whack, and just pound like they were just like that's the best when they're down the fall like that. Yeah, I fish two feet. Sometimes I fish three feet deep, Bill. Don't lie. Um, <laughs> what's the one bait you do not throw enough of? A crankbait, dude. Like I never crank, and like there's I know guys like I, I had buddies that fished like the Madison Chain a lot in Wisconsin, which like. Sets up a lot like the stuff I fish on here that, like, they get on a weed edge, they'll just DT10, DT6 it, crank it, and they'd crush. And yeah. um, I feel like I never approach a weed edge like, oh, let me go throw a crankbait. It's like, it's weird because, like, when I go up north and I fish, like, Whitefish Chain and Gull and Mahamadou, I like to crank, but I never crank around here. Isn't that weird? I have got on a decent crankbait on that little pond by your house. Ooh. Oh, on, on those rocks, but 12 inch worm ain't shabby either. Yeah. The big worms definitely underrated, uh, especially where we live. Like people don't throw them. There's one bait that I want to throw a little bit more in Minnesota this year is like a big, like speed. This is a machete worm, by, but like, yeah. a, you know, they, they work in Florida because there's so much grass. There's no reason they shouldn't get munched here. 
right? A speedworm is super good. Like Florida, that's an absolute staple bait. And especially like what we're in now, kind of like the early post-spawn, like I feel like a speedworm should work good because some of those fish, you know, they haven't moved out deep. They might not even be on the edge. I feel like it's a fast way where you could work and kind of search and find clumps. Maybe throw this on your wobblehead. Dude, that's not stupid oh. at all. Shut your mouth. Quiet about uh, that. You shut your mouth. <laughs> you shut your mouth when you're talking to me. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. <laughs> Will says, have you ever fished Deer Lake and Grand Rapids? I have. No. Is that? I'm old, so I've fished a lot of lakes. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, two years ago when we fished Grand Rapids, or Pokegon for the state tournament, we were on a cabin north of town, and so we have an off day. And so we had a little fun outing with my club. And uh, Deer Lake is a sweet crystal clear like see the bottom and like 15 feet like maybe deeper in certain parts of the lake and uh, like aaron's like second cast he caught like a five and a half pounder wow and, uh, <laughs> it took us a little while to get on but uh the other aaron schmolt and i i got on a yellow magic topwater bite in the middle of the day and they were just coming up and just t-boning it and it was how deep were you were you throwing the topwater we probably had the boat out in like 15 plus feet, but I was throwing up to like a shallow rock bar and they were sitting yeah. right up, like just, you know, you'd like bring it off and they would just pin it. Like it was amazing. I got to try deer leg. Yeah. Like that's, uh, and like that was kind of in my lull when I wasn't filming and uh, God, you would be able to see those smallies just fighting like with your chesty. You'd be just like, they'd be just down there. Just like, just oh, it'd, be, so sick. it'd be super sick. Um, <clears throat> there's tricks to it for another video chat. Oh, we don't hold secrets here, Eric. This, that's not cool. Deep crank bait when, um, rarely, but I do want to do more. I think to me in Minnesota, the deep crank, when you can find the rocks outside of the grass, that's probably the most likely scenario. Um, or you're going to throw a deep crank and you're just going to muscle it through the grass, um, <laughs> Tonka style. Yeah. On braid, I know when the wind's blowing. Like if the wind's not yeah. blowing, I'm usually dragging something on or throwing a drop shot. But if the wind's blowing, that's when I'll kind of be like, "All right, let's let's bang some crankbait." I'm not aware that they make a different color yellow magic than bone. To be honest, it's the only one I have. It's the only one I throw. What about you, topwaters? Do you do you mix it up or what's your? I like I like, throwing, I like throwing some like for smallies and stuff. I like throwing a lot of poppers and stuff like that. I'll throw spooks. Like, but like color wise, you like stick to the whites, the bones. Oh, yeah, I stick to white and bone basically. I don't know why I can't get away from it. I'll throw like what's that color? Rapla makes one. What color is it? Now it's in my head. I gotta find it. It's like it's kind of that red and red and chartreuse, but kind of yeah, it's wow. like. Original, yeah, if that's what it is. Logan says, "Come fish the Madison chain." I fished it once in a NABC, cool lake for sure. Super like, cool lake, yeah. Great fishery. Have I ever fished Lura? I fished it once. I did not figure them out the day I was there, but I know that lake's got just studs in it. Same. That my experience is the absolute same. I think I probably had five fish for five pounds, and I know that lake- to Grand Rapids. I'll get you some fish, Soby. What about yeah, me, dude? Yeah, what about but me? What about here's, the thing. here's the thing. I feel like if we go up to Grand Rapids, we don't need much help because all the lakes are awesome and the fish are super dumb. Perfect. <laughs> Which is Perfect. making like, going up north and so great. Uh, throw the tackle yet. 
uh, you're talking about the, the walking bait. I haven't. I've got enough of the original Vixens, so I don't need to. <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't thrown the tackle. What is your pond largey PB? I would say I haven't weighed them, but I know I've caught some that have been flirting with five pounds in the ponds around here. I think. Uh, probably just, yeah, kind of like Rich, just under five. I've fished a lot of ponds in Florida, a lot of ponds in like Illinois. We don't have a lot of ponds here in Minnesota because like everything freezes out, but I've never caught like a, a true pond donkey. Because obviously there's huge bass at growing ponds, especially in the southern states. Yeah. We can go to Lura, Bill. I'm always up for a good time. The new duck roker, I think that isn't that like the it's kind of like the transporter paycheck frog, I think. It's like Yeah, I haven't thrown one. Yeah. It's I don't know. I don't think you need to get that, that fancy with frogs, to be honest. Uh, Chad's shout out to old glory behind you. Hell yeah. Chad, I miss you. I hope all is well. Merca. Oh, man. What else? So, true or false, our tournament on Cedar was a big turning point for you on your YouTube career. True. Like, it just took off. It just, boom. <laughs> After that. If you guys, okay, this is like, this is almost like my worst nightmare. If, if I woke up in a cold sweat, it's almost like worse than best nightmare. If I woke up in a cold sweat and somebody said, wow, what was your dream about? I would be like, dude, it was one of the greatest dreams of my life, but the worst. I would just wait in 22 pounds to won a tournament. But Rich caught all the fish. <laughs> that would be like, that's exactly what happened with me and Rich fished a tournament. But it was awesome. Like, crushed huge fish and took home the gold. And it was awesome. We need to fish. I, don't bring it up. I only bring it up every so often, but. We need to fish a derb, dude. You want to see the alternate thumbnail for tonight? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> After, I cannot live this day down, you guys. Ever since I and I was the ultimate net man, it's like this cloud that's been over my head. And I need to fish a tournament with him and at least crack like a five-pounder just to get it off me. Or even a two pounder. That'd be a nice touch. Even a two pounder is something to help out. <laughs> uh, when you're fishing on the whitefish game, what do you like to throw and look for? Um, so, for now, I know smallies have really gotten to be a thing since I've been there last. So, outside of smallies, which I think are winning a lot of derbies up there. So, just speaking of largemouth, um, I like like upper and lower and cross. Like those are the lakes I like to stick to. Uh, and I'm looking for where there's big weed flats that make points and turns. And then I'm usually checking those points and turns off those big giant weed flats. I feel like those big weed flats have such biomass and there are always big schools of largemouth hanging out those. So if you can find those sweet spots off those big flats, that's a really good deal. Um, and uh, I'm probably gonna cover water with a jig or flipping or a DT6 parrot until I can like pick one off that looks good or get a couple bites. And then I'll come back through there and, uh, and, uh, you know, slow down with, you know, maybe a jig worm or a jig or something like that. Um, I do know there are some really good 
spots in the East Lakes. I just haven't spent the time to look for those, but those are kind of different. Those are kind of more your little greasy lakes, and those are a little different, but um, same kind of thing applies. You ever fish any docks in the whitefish? You ever do like big Yeah, they can be good for sure. Um, it's just, God, I remember I used to fish the weekend series up there every year, and, and Douglas and I were always fishing at the same time, and we were, we'd always find the same dock fish, and we'd always be fighting over them. Yeah. <laughs> I feel I filmed a couple champions tour events up there and that was like that was a big I forget when it was, but it was I think midsummer. There's big fights over a couple different stretches of really key docks. Really shallow docks, really sandy docks. That's no shame in a good that man. He's got That's what I'm saying. I didn't botch anything, I didn't hit anything off. Ever fish big sandy? Got any tips for the Dead Sea? Um, the only time I fished that body of water was a club tournament long, long ago. And we probably had 10 boats in the tournament, and all 10 boats went up the Aiken River to Aiken Lake. Wow. A long time ago. That was like 15, 20 years ago. Probably 20. So, I don't know. Whitefish, a.k.a. crackfish, if you get it, you get it. <laughs> <laughs> Crackfish. Cool. So what? Uh, so how many days a week are you fishing right now, Sam? Um, it kind of varies a lot. Um, I'll, I'll spend a lot more time on the computer in in different meetings and doing different stuff. And I also like I do do a bunch of different subcontracting work in the winter, where like I'll film different stuff. And I'm kind of slowly editing that stuff because that'll be kind of coming out too. So like I spend a lot more time on my computer than people may, may even think, but uh, usually a decent amount throughout the week, maybe three, four, five times a week. I don't know. Maybe less, maybe more. It kind of depends. If it's raining, if it's windy. Yeah. I, I try to play the weather, even though it's windy every day. And it seems like when I go out, it rains on me every day. Yeah, everybody's milking me for the, uh, the, the the team trail and state tips. <clears throat> Liam says he misses the Red Rocket. Oh, I miss the Red Rocket, too. The Red Rocket's sweet. Even though this rig is unreal, it, there's something nostalgic about the Red Rocket. Sure. Pete wants to know if I get another cat. Well, I'm going to fix the motor on this one, and then I would say within a year or two, I need to make a slight upgrade. Now, definitely at this point, Phoenix or Bass Cat are the ones that – are the highest on my list. So, what what size do you think you'd get? I want something like nineteen and a half to twenty and a half. I don't want like a twenty one footer. I want to. Yeah. I still fish. I like to get greasy enough that I don't want a super big boat. Totally. <laughs> so, oh man, has it felt like we've been out here for an hour and forty five minutes already? No, it's felt pretty fast. I can't get a Phoenix now that the Guggens have them. Muckers and Lewis says. Liam, how, Sobe, how do you like your CM? I'm not sure what CM is. He meant Vexus. Did he, did he mean that? Oh, he meant Vexus. Yeah. Dude, I love it. I really love it. it. Especially from what I'm coming from, obviously, like, any bigger boat would fish bigger, but the deck is so huge. And honestly, like, yeah, you got to drive one, dude, especially rich. I know you're thinking about, you said be Phoenix or Bass Cat, but like 
especially since you like the river. Like, dude, you can go full blast and turn it and put this son of a gun on its side. And boom, it's, it cuts. It cuts really well. Challenge accepted. <laughs> you need to drive it. So Chad has a serious question. What are you guys both doing for long-term storage, the footage you create? Um, so last year, I tried to save a lot of it, and I found that you quickly spend a lot of money on uh, external hard drives. So I've really gotten a habit of like when that edit is done and it posts and it's up for a couple days, and um, I'm like typically what I've been doing is I'm taking like a couple like key fish catches out of there maybe that I thought were cool, and I might save those. If I have some B-roll that I think is cool that could be universal, I put that in a folder. Um, but other than that, I'm cutting it because to some degree, I've got it all on YouTube. You can download back from YouTube an MP4 file. So uh, I don't think there's a real need unless it was something really cool or sick that I thought I might really repurpose. But that's that's what I've been doing. I've been trying to not save it all. I do basically the same thing. I have stacks of external hard drives, like four gigabytes, two gigabytes, ones like that. But then I also have the big ones, like the eight eight terabytes, not gigabytes, terabytes, like the eight terabyte ones that are lined up that I'll back footage with. And I also like, I'll make an executive decision, like the whole one series and stuff like that, that I thought I, I put a lot more effort towards shooting more stuff. I was like really emotionally attached to, I'll save all that. But if it's just a day where I went out and grease some fish and I don't really love it, I'll burn all that footage. I'll, I'll, I'll delete it all after the video is posted. Yeah. Cool. <clears throat> So what else? Well, what anything can you give anybody some sneak peeks, little teasers? Like what what can we expect from you this season that people are not going to want to miss? Um, before we before we get into that, I was just like oh. literally sitting on that. I want to see if you ever use these or if you did use these back in the day. This is super weird. I like just sat on this. That's the reason I thought about it. Do you, Rich, or anybody out there, do you guys ever use any floating buoys anymore? I used to. I don't know if I have one in the boat now. I definitely in the last year or two had them in the boat still. Yeah. But so before spot lock. Yeah. I always had them still in the boat, even with as good as GPS was and all that. Um, I was still using them, but now that spot lock, like, so like I used to like, I, I know like, I just think like I was out with Bill on crystal a couple of falls ago and, uh, if I'm fishing a deep weed edge and I catch one, like I would always have that little yellow buoy sitting there and I would like just get in or throw it in if I hooked a good one. But now with spot lock, I, I don't see, I mean, there's probably still a time and a place for it, but it feels a lot less crucial than it used to be. I know. I, I like, we used to use these all the time. And the reason, the reason this one is not orange and it's camo so nobody can see it. But, um, I feel like before spot lock, it was something sweet to just throw out there. And then you kind of like really could determine your cast, like whether it was directly out to buoy or not, like you could, you could really like find a good cast. Like, Oh, there's a sand spot right there. There's a little hard edge right there. The biggest rock is right there. But now a spot lock, if you can just sit in that same exact spot, you can really mimic your same exact cast. If you found success on one, I don't know. I just sat on this. That's why I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. I don't, I don't use any cloud storage. I do use Google drive a lot to transfer files from my phone to my like if i if i create a clip that i want to put on instagram i'll throw it on google drive and then pull it up so i will manage some files that way but not the bulk of it um yeah mainly all external hard drives for me just giant external hard drives 
So Liam, serious question. Junior tournament on Leech in July. What should my partner and I book captain I look for? Um, Leech is pretty simple in my mind. Um, it, that it's, I mean, there is a little bit of offshore stuff. There is a little bit of sneaky stuff, but 90 plus percent of what you're doing is emergent visible vegetation. Yeah. Uh, and hardcover mixed in. Like you can find them on bogs, you can find them in pads, you can find them in the rafts, you can find them in the reeds. There's a few docks. Um, what I would say, the number one tip for leech is practice for the wind forecast. So Ooh. it's a nasty lake. And if you find all your fish on the southeast corner and then you find out tournament day, it blows 25 out of the northwest, you got to practice so that you can A, get to your fish and B, it's fishable when you get there. So if you're practicing just a few days before the tournament, look at that extended forecast, find fish that you can fish in the tournament. And don't bank on that uh, being that the term, that the forecast will be accurate. Kind of find a few different things and uh, kind of protect yourself so that you have some fishable water. That's the biggest super, thing. Super um, good tip for fishing big water. But, uh, it's, you know, find where reeds meet grass. Find where pads meet rice. Find where we, like, find things that mix. Look for bait fish. Cover water with frogs and moving baits and things like that. Once you get a few bites, uh, slow down. Uh, that's kind of my tips. Sobe says, says uh, Bill says, you are more pleasant than rich. Any chance you can make him more happy or nice? I feel like that can only come once he goes ice fishing and just really respects the land he's around and the ice and the winter. I feel like it just it's going to come ice fishing, so I'll get him out ice fishing. Okay. <laughs> I do have some craft ice kings, so. Perfect. Would you rather forget bug spray or pliers? Pliers. I'd, like, if it's super buggy and you don't have bug spray, you're done for. Yeah. I could probably figure out a way to, like, use a scissors or something. To, yeah. Depends how many pike there are, I guess. Um, and what I'm throwing. Like, if I'm throwing, like, my Vixen and there's a lot of pike, then maybe the pliers because bug bites go away, but the original Vixen never comes back. Um, you can do a corporate account with Google and get on mid storage. That's right. a good right. Yeah. I don't think they let iUsers like you on Google, though, so you can't do that. <laughs> uh, so what what what's what are you gonna do? Like we, we can't we could stream till tomorrow, but uh, what's what's exciting? What's spicy? What can we expect? Sure, yeah, we'll wrap it up. Um, you want some juice? Don't hold back. So I would like before kind of COVID and stuff like that. I had a few different ideas for some trips and stuff like that, and I feel like those kind of will be pushed to the wayside now. I'd like to get up north. And obviously, like, explore some more bass fishing, um, do a little bit of walleye fishing, and play around with some more muskies. Like, I love I love muskie fishing for a very short period of time just because it's a freaking blast. So I'd like to kind of do maybe a Canadian swing if we can do that. But something really juicy that I kind of really haven't talked about much is I'm going to do another one series this fall, like, where we search down, like, a seven-pound largemouth. But it's going to be way bigger, like – the series is something I've been kind of working on planning. It's going to be blown up like really big, like mixing in myself and a bunch of other people. Yes, a lot of people. So it's it's going to be a really hopefully big production. 
that way bringing a lot of key players, key fishermen, and um, yeah, really make something big out of it. Nice. Any have you thought about bringing your boat out on the eastern swing? I've thought about it. I'd really like to kind of maybe fish the way back. Like, oh, I've had that so much. Like to hit Cayuga, Claire, St. Sturgeon. Like, mm, there's so much good stuff on the way back. I know, dude. Or both. Like, I know. So that's where I need to determine, like, if I need to meet up with the boys and help them drive there or if I'm going to fly in there or if maybe I can just drive separate and have fun on the way back, that would be. They're coming from Kansas. You're, you just meet them in Indiana and yeah. gravy train from there. That would be sick. Cool. I've never caught a muskie. That's correct. Did you see that muskie I caught on Mille Lacs? On Mille Lacs? Yeah. Let's see. When was this? Like two weeks ago. <clears throat> no, no, I didn't. Did you post it on Instagram? YouTube, Instagram. What? All over. How did that one? What? You're busy. It's got too many things going oh. on. Now I'm looking at How big was it? Oh, uh, it was probably upper 40s. Um, what did you catch it on, though? I'm looking at it now. A Ned. No way. Eight pound line. Jesus. You ever, so, see, you ever see Joel Willard's he caught on Lax last year throwing a net or whatever? It's like that. Uh, probably I did. Floral leader length. Uh, I've been, ever since I talked to Kent Middlestat a couple weeks ago on my stream, I've gone longer. For a long time, I was like four to six foot leaders, but now I'm going like. Two stretches off the spool, which is probably like 10, 12 feet for me. <clears throat> so that's been working pretty good. I've been doing that a lot this year. So, um, and then if I'm throwing like hair jigs, really small Kitex, spy baits, then I'm going to probably go like 20 plus. Like I want that braid not affecting the action and the, the sink rate of those baits as much. Totally. I, I throw a long leader too, really long. Like, Probably twelve feet or more, and then I fish it till it gets to about two feet, and then I tie a new one. <laughs> I do the same exact thing. I don't know if I do it because I feel like, oh, I want it to be my spool, and no, no, no. I do it probably just so I don't have to retie it. Yeah. So Liam's asking, with moving baits, do you like to cover a lot of water on a new lake? Um, to some degree, yeah. Kind of depends on the lake, um, and uh, yeah. Depends on the season. I mean, honestly, what I'm trying to get better at is like when I get to a new lake, the first thing I want to do is fish. Yeah. And honestly, the better choice most of the time is to graph and yeah. drive. Um, it kind of depends on what you're doing, how long you're going to be there, what's the purpose. Are you just fun fishing? If you're just fun fishing, yeah, let's put the trolling motor down and like let's just go fishing. But if you're really fishing for a tournament, yeah, driving around and graphing is most of the time um, on most fisheries. Now, if you're on a shallow river system and things like that where it's not so much graphing, then it's more about like on the river, I'm driving around, I'm frogging, I'm sw like frogging a swim jig on the Mississippi River when I'm practicing for a tournament. I'm just 
going 90 miles an hour, trying to get a bite, get a sniff, and then I'll slow down and worry whether I need to flip or punch or do anything else. I agree. Like I, I go to a lot of lakes all the time, like new lakes too. And I'll just be like, Oh, like as soon as I dump in, I'll go rip and I'll be like, that's good. Boom. Go in there. And like, I really need to like, even if you're not just graphing, just do a quick loop around the lake, especially if it's a small lake, just drive around, look, look with your eyes. Like, okay, maybe there's some pencil reads there, pads, docks, steep bank. Look on them. Like I, I do that all the time where I'll see something juicy right away and I'll be like, fish, fish, fish. That's one thing that uh, – what's up, Sean Lai? Thanks. There's my first super chat. Thank you, Sean. That's awesome. Appreciate it, Sean. Yeah, 100%. Um, but I was going to say, so I think around here, like a swim jig, if you're just looking to cover water, yeah, hard to be – you can fish the top. You can fish shallow. You can slow roll it. It's going to show you things. Fish eat swim jigs, yeah. and that holds for lakes and rivers. But I will say since my motor's been acting up, I really haven't been, like, leaning on it. So I've been barely using it. So I've been doing a lot of trolling motor or idling, and I've been graphing my way to places I want to get to. That's and I've cool. been doing a lot of stuff that I will fish my way back to and having success. Like the other day on the lake I was telling you about, Sam, I graphed around to get out to the spot, and I noticed some really good-looking grass. And then when I found them flipping milfoil in another part of the lake, I beeline back there, and we came on that spot. And that's not a spot I would have fished had I not uh, graphed over it. That's sweet. Yeah, thanks for listening for a half hour and a half, Sean. That's awesome. Um, uh, swim jig versus chatterbait. Uh, both good. Um, I like the swim jig. If I'm just searching, the swim jig to me, I can fish faster and I can fish more water columns with a swim jig easier than I can with a chatterbait. To get a chatterbait deep, you kind of really got to slow it down. Um, if I know I'm only fishing three feet and less and it's dirty, then sure, a chatterbait. But day in and day out, a swim jig is a better uh, search bait for me, uh, Bill. I feel like right away in the spring, like pre-spawn, like early spring, dude, chatterbait just crushes for me. But as soon as they spawn and all post-spawn, like I kind of put the chatterbait away and just go strictly to swim jig if I'm searching yeah. for Although, bait. like for me, early, early pre-spawn, like ice out, the yeah. swim jig, crawl, really? and just crawl in it. Deep in that swim jig and just like, yeah. <laughs> um, what size? I like a quarter ounce or a three. It sounds most of the time. Uh, depends how deep I'm fit. Like if I'm, I'll go up to like a half. Like if I really want to like cover water on like a grass edge and like 10, 12 feet of water, I'll get like a big swim jig out and like get it down there, like crank it. But most of the time I'm talking quarter and sometimes three eighths. Um, this is a good question. Liam says, what is your best advice, both of you guys, for having young, for, for young bass anglers? Man, I know everybody always says it, but it's super true. Just spend as much time on the water as you can and also fish with as many people as you can. Like bug, bug your dad, bug your dad's friends, bug old people, bug young people. Like every single person you fish with, you pick up something new. Like nobody fishes the same and there's so many different little nuances in fishing. That's what makes it so cool. So as much time on the water and fish with so many different new people. That That's what I would say. Yeah. And watch my channel. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I think you hit on some good things. One time on the water, like going to your local ponds, riding your bike down there, if it's for 20 minutes, if it's for an hour, like jump in with whoever you can. If you can join a junior club, if you can join an adult club, you can fish the non-boater. Find one 
that doesn't put you with a team that you fish with the same guy all I mean, if that's yeah. part of what you do, that's great, fishing a team circuit with the same person. But if you can find a club that allows you to rotate partners, that is awesome. Um, and then I would say, like, mechanics. Like, a lot of young anglers, like, you can quickly move up the ranks by working on your mechanics of casting. If you can put your bait in places that your competitors can't, and you're good at casting, you're good at skipping, you're good at pitching, you'll get uh, more points. Give you a good head start because then you're not going to be worrying about that. Like, once that stuff becomes second nature to you, you're not bogged down with that on the water. Like, once that's easy, then you're not fumbling with stuff on the water. Then you can focus on finding the fish. Um, so, and that's the great thing about that is like, get out in your backyard, stand on the back step, pitch at the flower basket, pitch to under the, the back of your dad, old man's truck. Like, I used to get laughed at and mocked when I was a kid, but I used to practice and practice and casting a ton off the water. That's something you can get really good at and you don't have to be on the water. Um, and I would say learn to fish your own fish and find your own fish. Yeah. If somebody shows you something, that's great. Go out and catch those fish. Try to understand why those fish are there. And then you take what they've shown you and you try to duplicate it. And when you can do that and you can find your own fish, that's when you're going to become a good fisherman. Totally. Totally. Nothing wrong with learning from somebody, but take it and make it your own. Totally. Any tips for fishing crazy large bodies of water like Lake Michigan? <sighs> I think then again, that's it's uh, graphing. Like do your math study, do your research, get out there and look. Um, something different. Any little nuances. Fish, see the bait. Uh that's the biggest thing on those big bodies of water. Kids should be, yeah, yeah, join a club. Kids should be listening to this. I grew up on a lax, black parents didn't fish. So I rode my bike to Rocky reef and eddies and talked my way onto boat launches. There you go. That's awesome. If you're, if you're, if your parents let you, uh, most people take kids out fishing for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, Sean says, I'm doing my first co-angling BFL this weekend. Any tips? Where are you co-angling? Uh, that will help us answer the question. Good luck, Sean. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Baltimore says, I used to cast in the coffee cans and practice uh, 100%. And here's a good tip for you. When you're first casting, you tend to be a lot of arms. You're like, you're trying to pitch with your whole arm. Like you're doing this. <clears throat> it's really about the wrist. And actually practicing inside on an eight or nine foot ceiling. If you can learn to pitch inside, um, you'll get the correct motion down. And even if you're just doing little 10, 15, 20 foot pitches in your living room or in your basement, if you get the motion down, keep your elbows in tight and it's all wrist. Uh, when you go outside, your motion will get better and you won't have all this flailing stuff. So me and Brock um, used to do that all the time, especially in like long winters and stuff. We'd sit in a hallway and we both set up like cans and we do different competitions and stuff, even with broken rods. If you have little broken rods or broken flipping sticks, we cut them off even shorter for inside playing around. Like, you just, just always be flipping a jig. You should always just be flipping a jig. All right. So Sean's fishing Shelbyville in Southern Illinois. It's probably not too far from Carlisle. Um, <laughs> Shelbyville. So Shelbyville, from what I know about it, it's a pretty, it's one of those, it's, it's one of those typical, Illinois reservoirs. It's not super clean. There's probably very little grass. It's a lot of hard cover, uh, bank fishing, uh, maybe some offshore, but not real deep. So if I'm a co in that, I'm probably hundred percent going to have a shaky head on. Yeah. Um, 
And I would say have a couple rods. And actually, Tin Horse could probably answer your question, John. He probably has fished Shelbyville. So feel free to chime in in the chat, Tin Horse, what you think a coach should do on Shelbyville. But for me, I would say have some finesse rods and a couple reaction rods. And, like, be prepared. If, you're, if your boater is throwing a spinnerbait, you throw a shaky head or a square bill. If your partner's throwing a Carolina rig, you throw a wobble head or a shaky head or a drop shot. Um, and if you're fishing down a bank, out of the corner of your eye, watch what they're fishing. If they're hitting the right side of every laydown or the shady side, you fish the other side or you fish what he's missing. Throw the less obvious stuff. Um, keep an eye out things on that he's maybe not watching if there's a deadhead off to his right that he doesn't cast to when the boat comes into position where you can make the cast without casting over his shoulder, like fish your own fish and do things different than him. Unless he is just absolutely hammering him on something, then you copy him. But if, if he's just getting by, then you try to do something slightly different and cover a similar column um, or a different column. Like if he's burning spin pace, Maybe like uh, so. Totally agree. I'd play with different columns and just like like Rich said, watch him. Like I like what he's. There's so much water, and we miss so much of it when we're burning down the bank. Like he's not hitting everything, hundred percent. So throw him behind him. Throw the stuff he's missing. So Tom says Shelbyville is nine feet high right now. That definitely changes things. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. So. Yeah, that, that, that changes things. So maybe a shaky head won't play as much unless the guy is, like, fishing, like, uh, riprap or bridges or marinas or something. But I think still applies. Like, if he's, like uh, – and I would say watch the conditions. Like, if he was – if he's really, like, keyed in maybe on a chatterbait or a spinnerbait because when he was in practice, it was cloudy and windy. But now the tournament comes and it's high, bright skies. I'd throw a swim jig. Yeah. He did practice, but you should be cognizant of what's going on in this moment of those conditions. So, yeah. It's hard to really say without, like, knowing the lake and that kind of stuff, but those are the general rules. And, like, a drop shot, I, Chad Smith damn near made a career fishing drop shot as a co-angler, so that's never <laughs> a bad. Um, so maybe for you, I you fish a flip shot behind him, like a power shot. Um, cool. All right. I feel like we could talk fishing forever, dude. I know, but, dude. Uh, I know. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for coming into the stream. We'll have to do like a, a later in the year, kind of a, a year in review. Maybe this winter when we're like both cooped up, we'll do like a, a yes. version two, kind of a recap uh, when you're not so busy and uh, life settles down. Um, but if you guys don't follow Sobe, like check out his channel. It's just search Sobe fishing, Sam Sobe. You'll find him. Um, follow him on Instagram, all that great stuff. Uh, if you want to watch this replay, will be up in about 12 hours. I also will have an audio version of my podcast. There'll be a link to that. Um, so if you want to just like re-listen to this and take this all in while you're walking or running or driving to the lake, that'll be a good option too. So I appreciate you guys that came in. We've had like really good numbers tonight. Special shout out to Sean. For my first super chat ever. Yes. That's shout out John. Motor rebuild fund. So uh, that was awesome, dude. Um, anything else before we uh, 
hang it up, Sam? No, thank you so much for having me, Rich. I love your live streams and like I, I love the variety of people you have on here. Everything talking different swim base, these different techniques. So keep it up, keep having different people on, and I, I appreciate the opportunity you giving me stepping on here and chatting some fishing. All right, well, let's 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 not wait till October to go fishing. No, I know we're fishing a derb. We're fishing a derb before July's right, over. Let me check out that Nexus. I want to hop in it. Let's go. I'll, I'll, I'll try to wipe my feet before I get in. <laughs> All right, you All guys right. have a good rest of the night, and thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Hope you guys learned something, and as always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.